Hello, and welcome to Spectology, the science fiction book club podcast. I'm your host, Adrian. I'm Matt. And I'm Kevin. Welcome, guys. Welcome to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, every month on Spectology, as most of our listeners know, we pick a book, read it, and talk about it over two episodes. So, this is our post-read episode for Dark Eden by Chris Beckett. So it's our second episode on the book. And it's going to be full spoilers, essentially, from the beginning. Uh, just so you know, if you would like to hear like a non-spoiler kind of review and why you should read the book, uh, go back to our last or second to last episode, um, the 13.1 Dark Eden pre-read, which is, you know, about the book, but without spoilers. Um so we're going to kind of get into this as we mentioned in the last book in the last episode this is a uh, book that Matt and I have read a bunch of times like a whole lot it's one of our favorites uh, and we have a whole lot to talk about I think but um I think to maybe begin if Kevin if you want to just like do a brief kind of reintroduction of yourself I know you did last episode but for folks oh, who yeah, might not sure. have heard that and then um then we're going to ask you how you thought about it since you're new to the book. Yeah. And I'm cool. going to just interrupt every like, you know, few seconds making a hmm, hmm, hmm <laughs> sound of the trees. <laughs> anyway, just don't, don't pay attention to that. You'll get used to it. Matt's the trees. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm Kevin. I, I write uh, science fiction reviews, essays, things like that for Herodis.com. It's a site I run where I just write about things I'm interested in, whatever I'm reading, that kind of stuff. Um but I really, yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. It, awesome. it was nice. It was cool because it went in directions I didn't expect it to, which is always nice. Um, and yeah, it, it was very different from what I usually read, which was also kind of fun about not uh, knowing anything about it coming into this and just reading whatever, whatever the book is, you know, and it, it just, it was fun to be along for the ride and uh, see where it went. And it, it really did. It surprised me in a lot of different ways, which was also another great thing. I love what was one way it surprised you in particular. I expected, well, with, with regards to some of the specifics of it, I expected that, uh, that these characters were going to find others on, on this mm. planet that they're on. Initially, mm -hmm. and I, and mostly it just, it seemed like it was, or like it could have been insinuating or, or saying that the, the, uh, the, the earlier settlers, the three, I can't remember what the exact mm. phrase was for them, three that they, companions. the three companions, that they never actually made it off, that they may have crashed. And then there's another society, you know, from the, from Ooh. these companions that, you know, and this, I think this is before they really, um, before they really said very much about who the companions were who the original oh, right. two were. So I was like, okay, there may be, they may be mm. able to procreate and have like another group. And then these, um, the, 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 the characters that we follow, um, leaving the circle. And I was like, okay, they're going to go and they're going to find this other group and we're going to see how weird their whole thing is and mm. what their whole mythology mm -hmm. is and how that story differs from the story that we've got here, you know, and there's mm -hmm. just, it's just the direction I, I anticipated it going in and, not that I wanted it to go that way exactly. I just it felt like it was headed that way. Um, so it was fun to see how it differed from that and a and, and couple of the ways where it was similar also, but, you know, not, mm. not a very specific thing. But, yeah, it was, re it was really good. I enjoyed it. And I haven't read a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, post-apocalypse stuff, even though this isn't a post-apocalypse. It shares a lot in common with that. I was, that's so funny you say that because I thought that too. But anyway, go on. Yeah. 
Yeah, I haven't read a lot in that in that genre or in that set of set of rules, but um, so it was fun to see that, and also really just having our our um, pre read episode and being kind of primed uh, by the things that you were both talking about was really really interesting because it made me pay attention to different aspects of the book than I probably would have. It had I just picked it up and, and read it without any kind of communication, you know, that not, not mm-hmm. that there were any spoilers. It was just that it was, I was paying attention to things differently, almost like I was reading it a second time, um, hmm. instead of just reading it a first time, mostly hmm. like, uh, um, the, uh, I think I can't remember if it was Matt or Adrian, uh, that mentioned the, the ways in which it was like a book of the Bible or, or a story. Yeah. So Matt, okay. Yeah. That was really, really interesting to read it with that in mind, thinking almost of the, the characters as archetypes Mm -hmm. representing different points of view. Um, right. I think, I think the term you used, Matt was Bible fan fiction. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I could see that. And it, uh, yeah, it was just it was very interesting to to see that kind of unfold. Um, yeah, what I mean, what what I know both of you you both you both like it quite a bit. Yeah, but uh, mm-hmm. yep, yeah. How so is I, it kind of going through? Yeah, this time I I reread it. I know Matt didn't. This is my third yeah. time rereading it. I have reread it. Um, okay, I just so didn't. you've read it multiple times too. Just twice though. Okay, yeah. So I've read it. So this is my second time rereading it. So it's my third time reading it overall. Um, And it's one of these books that I find the very first time I read it, because it was new to me, I knew nothing about the book whatsoever Mm -hmm. going into Mm -hmm. it. Um, You know, I, I knew much less going into this book than I typically do going into a book. I mean, I don't mind getting spoiled for books and often like know the overall plot before I get into them. This I didn't. And it was a really interesting experience. Like, because it's so hard to tell what's going to happen in the plot of it. Like it doesn't telegraph its moves or like it telegraphs some of the bigger moves. Like early on, you're like, okay, John probably is going to take them over snowy dark, right? Like that (laughs) that feels like that's the overall arc of the novel. But like, the way and how and why and who's on whose side and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, a lot of that isn't telegraphed and even just like, you know, I could have seen the book ending with them dying up there. Like I could have seen, right. like I, mm-hmm. I really right. could have Me seen too. the book going I, either way or like getting to like a worse spot and having to settle there or something like that. But instead, like when they find the big forest, like it was the sense the such the sense of like, whoa, like relief and just like wonder too. Like I felt their wonder of like, holy shit, it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than anyone yeah. knew. Yeah, right. totally. That was a great feeling. That's one of the reasons I, I love this book. I also felt like I totally agree with all that. I also feel like, you know, the not knowing what kind of people these people are. I mean, I remember mm. beginning the book for the first time and kind of falling quickly into a sort of default set of assumptions about John Red Lantern being just like a standard cookie cutter hero person. Yeah. Right. Because I think, you know, I, you know, if you're going to, well, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about the sort of the criticisms that have, that we've read of this book, which, uh, you know, have some merit to them, I think, but, you know, so I fell quickly into that and then spent a lot of the, the, my first read through the book sort of like kind of feeling like 
subtlety was being added mm, to definitely. Red Lantern. And yeah. Um, and certainly to some of the other, especially to, uh, to some of the other characters. I mean, like they, yeah. you know, they are put in situations where they have to make decisions unlike the decisions they've made before and their society is put in the same kind of situation and they turn out in ways that you might not expect. Mm. Um, right. One thing I really like about this book, especially on reread, I think I notice it more every reread, is um, the degree to which like every person in John's group is named by the book and has a personality and we get a viewpoint chapter from like a fair number of them and like there's something really fascinating about like a book that's willing to like it doesn't elide over any characters you know it's like like all these characters are people with like feelings and like you know the kind of naming of them in the book and the fact that like you have this group that's like fairly large but you still like know every person's name and at least something about their personality or about how someone else views their personality and you can see how like oh the way they split apart reflects those personalities and reflects who they are and reflects things about them is um it's one thing I always really appreciate about this book going back and I think it's a it's a kind of the flip side of the coin of like uh-huh. John, from his perspective, is this like really like great, not not like, oh, he's a great guy, but like a great man, kind of like he really thinks of himself as this like game changing person. And like mm-hmm. he's not wrong necessarily, but like, I don't know. I think it's a mistake to read this book as one that like views John as like good or as like oh, doing definitely. the right thing yeah. in every instance or whatever like right like he makes major mistakes and i feel like the book does a decent job of calling him out on them and that's you know that's something else that i really like that it's like they're in a hard position there aren't necessarily right answers all of the time and like this is a book about like one of the sets of answers that were taken not like the right way to do it necessarily um and before we get too far into it, I actually I did just want to pause really quickly and do the um, kind of content warning piece, because I think this stuff will come up like as we go. And in particular, um, you know, we mentioned in the last episode, there is the uh, there's some like sexual assault and like stuff mm-hmm. that is yep. kind of surrounding that. Uh, both, you know, like the men and the women get assaulted in different ways and like how that happens. And, you know, the fact that they're children in some of these cases is really interesting. Um, and then it's hard to read. I find, I definitely find that hard to read. It really is. Yeah. And when I, when I reread it, I, I just skipped over some stuff like, you know, I think that's fair. I really do. Um, and then uh, there's also the, um, element of, uh, one thing I forgot actually in the last episode is there's like suicide on screen and like a fair amount of talk mm, of suicide. That's right. that's and right, I totally yeah. had forgotten that. And I always, you know, I always feel bad. You know, I, we say ahead of time, like, you know, these are content warnings, what we remember, not for everything. But that was something that like surprised me again on reread. I had forgotten that piece. And then, um, you know, I think the other piece is the sort of like stuff about disability. And I think we'll talk about that as well. And the kind of like the way the book treats disability, the way the characters treat disability and how that's different from how the book does necessarily that kind of stuff. Yeah. Incest also. It's almost a theme right. of the, of the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get it. Like we didn't want to talk too much about it in the pre-read, but it is like, you know, it's like the whole society began on incest in a lot of ways. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it just they have different norms. 
Right. They have, right. they both have different norms and they break their own norms. Mm-hmm. Um, so you mm-hmm. get a, a kind of a, a wide range of things that might be uncomfortable. Right. And that right. I guess I think are uncomfortable, but not necessarily, not in a way that means it's a bad narrative, just, just uncomfortable. You know, I was glad in the, I was glad the way that, that it addressed a lot of those things too, when they started coming up in the, as the story unfolded, there was a point, uh, where things started getting really uncomfortable and difficult to read through. And then it, at, at that point, I think I wrote a note cause I'd like to take little notes on, and while I'm you know reading mm-hmm. things and I was like, okay, so this is a theme of the book. It needs, it needs to address this in a way that really addresses it pretty soon, or this mm-hmm. is just a throwaway theme. And then, then that's not great, you know? So it, but it, it started mm-hmm. to very quickly and it became, it became, uh, it seemed like it addressed it pretty, pretty comprehensively, especially what from point a different point of view. What are you thinking of? The, um, the, the scene with, is it, let's see, John and his, um, was it his family head? Or, yeah, Bella. I'm trying to remember. Bella. Yeah, yeah his, the his group leader. Yeah, his group leader. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the point where I was like, okay, so this is, that's mm-hmm. definitely happening. And, and then it was seeing, seeing through the other characters' eyes, their recollection of that event and what they thought about it. And then seeing through, through John, um, I believe, I'm trying to remember what he did right after that. He, he kind of went off and and sort of just thought about it and and you got to right. kind of see what he was thinking and what his experience was and it, it it was just a it was it seemed a more thoughtful way to address it from multiple point point of views yeah mm, points of views. I totally agree yeah I was just looking through the chapter list to to remember which which characters get a POV chapter and because I was thinking Adrian about the point you were making about how cool it is the way that they the way that he. Um, adds detail everywhere, even in mm-hmm. places where you might not bother to look for it. Right. Which I, I think gets to something we were talking about in the pre-read episode too. And um, I didn't remember this, but there's, you know, there's a POV chapter for Mitch London. Totally. Yeah. There's a POV chapter for, um, <laughs> for, uh, this where's... is why you should reread the book. Cause this is not surprising <laughs> to me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was well, it was all over the place. There were yeah, several. Yeah, yeah. Jeff gets a yeah. few. For Jella, uh, oh, I love G- Jeff. G- Jella Brooklyn. Jeff is right. my absolute favorite. Like he's, I think he's Dude, like everybody's his, favorite. Yeah, like, his arc in this was really what what made me uh, love it. Close to the end, by the end of it, I was like, okay, yeah, Jeff is yeah. Jeff is is the team that I'm on for this. Right. <laughs> Basically. Oh man, you're gonna team like Jeff. the second book then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just love that Jella gets a POV chapter. Right, because it would have been so easy to make that her POV chapter another Tina POV chapter because, like, Tina is the person with the second most number of POVs. It's, like, kind of... She's in the group. It's, like, she's been a lot Mm -hmm. of the person kind of, like, commenting on the group outside of John. But to, like, Mm -hmm. give it to someone else for a chapter and to also be able Mm -hmm. to, like, comment on both Tina and John together as, like, other people see them. Yeah, And, like, get get a third or kind of fourth view of someone who like still likes john but has a yet another view of him from like right. what tina or jeff do or even Jer- i think jerry gets a pov character at one point too he does like, he does the yeah. the ability to you know and this was like matt a complaint of yours in the semiosis read was that i was like, just gonna bring that up yeah Right. Like semiosis often would have like, you know, kind of another chapter set further in the future with a different POV. And like maybe some of the characters from the last chapter are still around, though. 
Um, and it often didn't feel like that POV was quite used to like comment as much on like yeah. the events of the last chapter. It was a missed Whereas opportunity. Here it does. Like there's no yeah. missed opportunity. For, that's the point yeah. of these chapters in totally. a way. I think the one character I, w- I would have liked to have a point of view from would be, uh, what is it? Lucy Liu. Is yeah. That, is that, yeah. 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 I could see that. Yeah. She was so interesting. Cool. I wanted to under, I wanted to know how much she <laughs> knew about, the, about what she was doing. Cause it seemed like she really mm-hmm. understood yeah. what, what mm-hmm. she was doing with her, her whole act of <laughs> communicating with, with, uh, you know, the, the characters from their past that were, that are dead or that have. Yeah. Well, you'll really, you'll really like the third book in that case. <laughs> well, hey, excellent. Yeah. Really. When I finished this, I, almost started reading this the second one right away and i was like no 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 no. i'm gonna give myself some time to you know organize some thoughts (laughs) about this before i yeah (laughs) i i will say really quickly talking about the other two books there um because i don't want to go too deep into them so i kind of want to give myself this portion uh to just give my piece which is if you like dark eden they're both good and worth reading um very much so and in particular like they do to dark eden what dark eden does to the story of the like you know founding members of the society where it's like several generations in the future and like you get the story of john red lantern through like a bunch of different point of views but like the story itself is like a myth at that point so it's very Mm -hmm. much about Mm -hmm. how like stories become legends become myths become religion mm-hmm. and that's this kind of cycle mm-hmm. that happens over and over again that's through so all fun. of these yeah. books i love his, i love his commenting on that while it's happening the uh, oh yeah the characters totally. commenting on the roles that they're playing and and him mm-hmm. being observant to noticing or him being observant and noticing other characters in this story that that don't seem to understand that everyone's playing a role yeah, and that yeah. This is all and going of course, to become a story. Yeah, and, and them noticing know. each other, right? Like, like that's yeah. like the whole fun of like mm-hmm. everything Tina says about John is so fun and cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, right. it's just it's very enjoyable to experience um, a narrative being so self-aware in such an unpretentious way. Yeah, you know? and not like, a self-indulgent a fun, way at all. Right, yeah. right. It's just yeah. fun. It's like it's the. I mean, I think it's a really excellent example of how to do this kind of multiple pov thing like from a technical point of view like Mm -hmm. what does he focus on what are the things that he calls out in every given like it's he doesn't that you know um he doesn't like chris beckett doesn't spend too much time dwelling on tina like analyzing every little thing that john does to like construct this entirely alternate version of a previous event she just has like a take you know Mm -hmm. and then that Mm -hmm. take comes and goes and things move on but it's like really interesting what her take was you know it almost kind of gives you this it's like you know because you're because you the reader are experiencing this stuff um you know in a different way than the people going through it would experiencing it like it's less linear it's sort of you know Mm. Um, it jumps, jumps around, it jumps, around and jumps POVs and stuff. Um, it's almost like watching one of those reality shows where it's the, <laughs> um, you see a clip of the people oh, in the okay, house yeah. and then it cuts <laughs> to the commentators, yep. you know, and they're like yep. talking about it and then it cuts back and like, it's almost <laughs> like that. So I just really quickly wanted to finish the thing about like the two sequels to it, because yeah. I, I, I will say if folks want to go and read them. My experience of them was like Dark Eden, like such a good book, like one of my favorite books. 
uh, the second Mother of Eden, good had maybe some like more flaws and some of the the stuff that like you know maybe I think what it is is like some of Chris's skills as a writer weren't quite the things he was focusing on. He was focusing on some stuff I think he has a slightly harder time with as a writer and like. So the book wasn't didn't quite live up to like my hopes, but my hopes were also like, it's going to be better than Dark Eden. So like kind of impossible to live up to. Uh, but then the third book actually did live up to those hopes. Like the third book in the trilogy is to me like the best trilogy closer I've ever read. And I don't, I don't want to like overstate that, but like, that's my kind of like, <laughs> like it's be. so <laughs> worth getting it. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's impossible. <laughs> it, it's impossible to talk about this in a way for me that doesn't overstate it. But like <laughs> for me, like getting, you know, it's not like I had to get through the second book so much as like, if you read the second book and are a little bit like, well, I don't know about the third one. Like don't like the third one is insane. It's so good. I actually had an interesting, a slightly different experience. I really may, I, I, I almost want to say I like the second book more than the first. Um, interesting. With the one very important caveat that I found it harder to read, even though I thought it was sort of better in some ways. Hmm. Um, but that's like a whole discussion. I mean, we, you know, we yeah. could totally, totally, <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, um, and this is, they're this both, is good. they're this also is why, good though. They're also good. right. This is why I just wanted to kind of like, we, we're not going to talk too much about the sequels, yeah. but for like folks who are listening now and want, want to know if they want to read it, like this is kind of our like bracketed, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think we're both saying do it like they're good and they're worth reading. They are. And they like, really are. If you like the story, it's very different, but you will still like them. It scratches mm. some of the same issues though. It's like you were mm. saying. Yeah. So, um, and I know that Chris has said that, um, daughter of Eden, the third book is like one of his favorite books he's ever written. Like it's a, it's his oh, like cool. baby of a book too. So, you know, that's, that's yeah. always kind of fun. I'm always interested in that from like authors. Like what do, what do they like about their own writing? Um, <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, I think that's, that's a, you know, my kind of overview of the book at this point, we might want to dig in deeper into some of these topics. Um, some of the stuff that we're thinking about here. Is there, is there anything that like you guys want to start with? Um, if you don't mind, I ha I was thinking a lot about the experience of um, jump. Like when I reread it, the experience of, kind of re-encountering the characters again totally having having heard some of the subsequent history having experienced the subsequent history of their legends and their effect on society totally for many generations uh, in the future and then going back and sort of re so you reread dark eden after having read the other two already after having read the second one yeah. okay okay um, i reread dark eden after reading both of the other two yeah so this was this was still a, a while ago, but yeah, yeah. Um, but the it was it was really interesting because I mean it's almost like just like I almost never reread books. Um, mm -hmm. I just don't do that. But this was a really cool. This was one of the few ones that that pro that made me want to do that because part of the enjoyment is this kind of nested storytelling theme where you um, they talk about story formation while forming a story which mm -hmm. is then discussed from another perspective which then that becomes another story and so yeah. on and so yeah. on in a chain and to reread part of this is to 
take that chain and wrap it back around itself. Yeah. Um, cause you know, when you, when you add the knowledge of, I mean, it, it you know, to not, not to belabor the, the discussion of, of like the Bible or like foundational texts, like one of the things people talk about when they talk about what makes a text foundational or canonical is the way that it is, is the, the, the depth of the, the way that it is in dialogue with all other texts. So it's, mm-hmm. it's status as a central node. And so to, to kind of dig into, uh, I, 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 this is very abstract, but this is kind of how I was thinking about it. So I'll just, you know, plow ahead to, to, <laughs> well, to say it, into, don't talk about saying it <laughs> to dig into a central node in a, uh, in a network of ideas is like really, really satisfying, even when you do it more than once, because there's, it's so dense that it doesn't become yeah. boring. So mm-hmm. when you reread mm-hmm. a story, uh, that is about itself and other stories are also about it. There are so many connections there to observe that you can get a lot out of it, even doing it again. So to give a specific example, John Red Lantern is a very important figure in the mytho- in the like in the in the future of the societies that that he lives in. Um, because he has a big impact and also because the stories that are told about him have a big impact in the future and to go back and just sort of see basically his upbringing you know his his growth into an adult in a way i mean the the john red lantern at the very beginning who has this kind of inchoate desire for something greater for something more while he's like getting into this like near death hunting accident like Mm -hmm. is such a different Mm -hmm. john red lantern than than the, the guy at the end who is kind of you know involved in the highest possible political decisions affecting his world and is like has these like comp- very complicated fraught relationships with like close allies who nonetheless he's like going to work with to like make important decisions about like his whole society's future mm-hmm. like it's it's fascinating to to watch him grow while knowing where like to 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 experience John Red John Red Lantern as a as a boy basically who has these who has serious emotional problems and traumas and doesn't know what he wants yet and then learning what he wants it's it's very different from the the stories about him especially given that some of the stories uh, that we learn right. about him later are about an older him mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um that was like a really that's like a really really cool effect that is created by the structure of not just this book, but the whole trilogy. Yeah. So anyway, that, that's, well, that's one thing I was thinking about when yeah. I was thinking about this episode. To, to add on to that a little bit and maybe, you know, so have either of you read the original short story, Dark Eden, that this trilogy was kind of initially no, based on? No, I didn't so, realize it was based on one. Yeah, kind of. So the initial short story, Dark Eden, it's also called Dark Eden. Um, mm-hmm is actually about the um them finding darky it's the story of like them stealing this like ship and like accidentally making their way to dark eden well what's interesting about it is that you can see how the planet of dark eden itself is such a compelling location like you can totally see how someone who had this idea for the short story would like be like oh i can do so much more with this like there's so many places Mm -hmm. i can go 
But at the same time, so I read that after I had read all three other books. And the interesting thing about it is that the one thing this short story is really missing is any of this sense of like stories that we're talking about, right? Like mm-hmm. they're not in a larger story there. It's just like a short story about like this thing that happens. Right. And like, it's actually, it's funny. It's like in certain ways, like as a kind of foundational, you know, it's like archeology span is like, Oh, we actually like found the thing that the story is about. Like as that kind of text, it's like kind of interesting in that perspective, but it's also like, it's not my favorite short story. It's like fine at best. Um, and, but like it works, but as a, you know, kind of like, like, so it almost has its own mythology, right? Like it, it is the thing that like starts this whole like series of right. books and like it yeah. though, like can't do what the books can because it's just telling a story instead of telling a story about telling stories and telling a story that involves stories in the past. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. it's just kind of telling this interesting st- story about like people stealing yeah. a ship and like going to a new world and like having to like deal with yeah. like maybe being stuck there, which is like, you know, a perfectly decent story and like one that sci-fi has dealt with like before, you know, and, but it's also, it's like what takes on so much power about that story is when it becomes the foundational myth for an entire society (laughs) like that becomes so much more interesting for it and so it's funny it's like you know like dark eating the book doesn't suffer from any of those problems because it's already grappling with this question of like this narrative that i'm telling will eventually be like a founding story for other people and it like knows that and it's curious and like Mm -hmm. how it will be um whereas the short story like doesn't necessarily so it's more interesting just as kind of like an artifact like an archaeological artifact from dark eden the same way that like the vehicle is at the at the very end when they like find the three companions you know vehicle vehicle right (laughs) did you guys um did you read it or did you listen to it on audiobook I read it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I I ended up going back and rereading the whole thing and like not finishing the audiobook. <laughs> yeah. One so one um one thing that that you know, there's another aspect to all the storytelling which is that there's a competition going on. Um there's a there's a kind of a narrative competition between different characters oh, from their true. different points of view with their different political objectives. Mm. You know, Juicy John versus right. um John the the leader. John the founder, right? John the founder, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's there's also there's the really interesting moment where they're like he and Caroline, the like head of family are talking mm-hmm. and Caroline is like, you can be a new group. And he's like, no, we're a new family. And like yeah. they agree on the terms of like what that means. So like we don't have to come to the things you do, you know, but they never actually agree on like what they're called. Right. Like yeah, they, they even right. shake hands on everything, but she is constantly you're another group and he's constantly we're another family. Yeah. They never fully that agree scene, on that bit. That scene yeah. was so fun to watch because yeah. it was kind of the first time that that any of these people really had to have um, any sort of political conversation with one another. Mm-hmm. Just the beginning of a, of a political shift or the beginning of of a new kind of politics within these and that dynamic between group and family what's the difference between those mm-hmm. because family was always just everyone that is group was a small division inside of that right and now but not a division right like it's just it's a it's yeah. a further grouping not a division yeah. against other yeah, people that sounds because right. you so, can't divide <laughs> but it's also yeah. uh, you know if if they're a group i mean that means that she's above them he's she's above True. him right you know? yeah it's right. a very specific kind of hierarchical co- claim also well this mm-hmm. gets to like one of the 
other major themes that we really didn't talk about as much in the pre-read, which is just like the extent to which this book is, is, is like a book of political theory. Right. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the thing I wanted to, to, to let Kevin keep talking about because that is like, like the degree to which this is like the founding of politics in a certain, or the founding of like, like extra politics as opposed to like intra politics, right? Like up Mm -hmm. until this point, they've just had like politics within the group and now they have politics with each other. Yeah. It's almost like an accelerated, um, I don't know, I suppose sort of when, when, uh, America kind of broke away from, from, uh, England, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. took, took place over a huge amount of time, but this is such a, such an acceleration of it because the scale is a little smaller. They're just going over the hill instead of across <laughs> an entire ocean, you know, that yep. kind of thing. But it's, they can, they can, you know, hike a couple of days and then talk instead of it being a long form of community or long-term uh, travel just to do any kind of communicating. So things are just a little bit faster and it's a much smaller group of people. It's just on a, almost a, a microcosm of, of a situation like that breaking mm-hmm. away and having to start something entirely new. You know, one other thing I really, really liked about this was the way, um, the way that it seemed concerned with specifically talking about every character's place in this society where they, they all had their, strengths and weaknesses and everyone had something to contribute to it by the end of this book everyone kind of played their role and their part in it and they all um they all changed things they all learned a lot about themselves and they had a way to move things forward um especially the characters that had some sort of disability or or you know especially john because he He's always the one that's saying, "What is it?" He says, "We uh, we really are here. We are really here, or something like that." Oh, Jeff, 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 yeah. Yeah. Jeff. I'm sorry, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff and John, very close. Very yeah, similar. yeah. <laughs> Jeff, John, yeah. Jerry, all of them there are a little go. bit. And Jer- yeah, <laughs> I appreciated that Jerry was G E R R Y. Oh yeah, if there were another yeah. J, that would have been hard. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. But it was yeah, Tina, just, just not Gina, I guess. <laughs> him kind of realizing his. Uh, what he had to contribute and, and and then everyone else realizing what he had to contribute, the way that he was able to see things in the moment mm. and, and the way that that strength came from another weakness that he had was just really cool to see how, how all of these characters were necessary in this story that was unfolding, but they all did different things. And then the, the flip side of that also being that, that John um, made tons of mistakes, like you were saying, earlier and and he uh he couldn't stop being who he was which was someone that wanted to push things mm-hmm. go farther you know climb over the mountain see what's over there and they, they get to the they get to the spot uh, that's kind of better and he's mm-hmm. like no no no, we need to keep going i need to keep, you know and they get to the spot that's much much better and he's like well maybe we should maybe we should keep going you know right. and, maybe and he's, maybe he's i like, should find a way to blow this all up so we can keep going <laughs> exactly yeah you, you started to see how yeah how the change that moment. happened was um ultimately he was still being selfish you know yeah. he, he presented it in a way that was uh, meant to appear altruistic that was the story that he was making mm-hmm. himself the center of, I suppose. Right. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but really he was interested in his own, uh, in doing what he wanted to do for himself and having, having those other point of view characters was really fun to see how they could kind of see that about him. But at the same time, it wouldn't have worked without a character like him 
they wouldn't have gotten to this place, but it, it's just a, a large amount of change happening and, and not necessarily, I don't know, it's, it's arguable whether it's for the better or not, but that's mostly from this other point of view characters, being able to see the way that they thought about the events and the way that they reacted to it and how things changed for them also. I just really, really loved all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that like, you know, on the one hand, like at the very beginning, John is correct in his like assessment of the problem, right? Like there are dwindling resources, right? Family is continuing yeah. to grow and like that situation is untenable. Sure. But he has very, he has one very specific idea about how to solve that problem. Right. And like, mm-hmm you know, the question of like, was that the best way to solve that problem? I think is one that's like left open to interpretation Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, you know, like, is it good that he like blew up family? Well, in certain ways, you know, this is something I said in the semiosis post read, like I always love a story about like kids blowing shit up and like taking over and like, you know, part of like this, this for me is like, I love this story. It's not necessarily because I think, it's right. Like it's not necessarily because I think like it's the best thing to do. I think it's because like for me, it's one of like the most compelling like story structures. Um, Mm. and this is a really good example of that, of like, you know, they're like 15 years old when at the beginning of the, right. Like they're children, they're teenagers at best. Um, and it is a story about them being like, no, this sucks. Let's blow it up. Cause we don't really know how to, we don't know how to make anything new without blowing it up first. <laughs> right. And sure, like, yeah. that's their best way of doing it. And you know, and Bella has these other ideas where it's like, Oh, I, you know, we like negotiate, we keep doing this thing in a few years time, they will let someone move out. And like, you know, was it necessary? Ne- was it necessarily necessary to, you know, blow it up now instead of waiting three or four years and then having another group that's like further away? No, probably not. Right. Like that's John, like wanting to take control and like make the story about himself as like, you know, the secret, the secret story says, um, I I love that passing down of that story too. That was one of my favorite, favorite things. It was, I I love that angle of it. I I think if that weren't there, the whole thing wouldn't have worked nearly as well as it did. Having that, that watch out for men trying to make the story about themselves because it's there they're going to precipitate aggressive change, whether it's positive or negative. It's right. It's, it's a, just having people watch out for that. such a cool, cool thing to have included in that. Right. And being able to point out through that, that like John and David are like opposite sides of the same coin. They're right. not opposites, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. They're like the same thing in different aspects in certain ways, or at least they share some of these like same core elements is like a really, I think kind of important one, right? It goes to this thing of like, you know, sure. John is, you know, maybe has like larger altruistic goals and maybe even ultimately like does make a better society because of those goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that doesn't mean that like he's doing it for those reasons. Part, yeah, part of this is is also to do with the relationships, which I think is is a really interesting like aspect of this. I mean, you know, so John, you know, we, we've talked a lot about John and kind of his nature and being unable to escape his nature and how that motivates him. But he also, you know, there are these. One of the things I really like about this book is it doesn't forget the extent to which people are kind of connected to each other and motivated by each other and like inspired by each other. There's all these moments where John gets an idea from someone else, 
whether he acknowledges it or not. Sometimes he does. Mm, sometimes true. he does, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, he's a lot more likely to acknowledge it if it's from another guy than if it's from a woman. That's for sure. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Which, and he has like a better relationship. I want to bring up later. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Go he has ahead. a better relationship with Jeff, you know, than a lot of other guys because Jeff mm-hmm. is sort of willing to sublimate his ego or like right. has much less ego or, or whatever. Right. But, um, you know, but, but so even Bettina in particular is like a really interesting character for, for this because, you know, there are a couple of key moments when John is really influenced by Tina where, where he makes decisions you know, from his point of view, he would probably not admit that he was so influenced right, by her. But right. like, since we get a lot of Tina's POV, you know, we can see how this ha- and other people's we can see how this happens. Um, you know, in particular, you know, near the end, um, I, I don't know if I remember this exactly how this happens, but part of the decision to move on has to do with Tina not wanting to fight. Isn't that right? Oh, I'm trying to remember the specifics. You mean of that once too. they're yeah. in, once they're in Great Forest? Yeah, once they're in Great Forest. Right. Yeah. There's. I mean, I don't know if that's Tina specifically. It's kind of all of them recognizing that they don't have the ability to fight. Yeah. Um, I I just remember this one conversation that John has with Tina, where he like, it's like this rare moment of him admitting to her, or at least like acknowledge acknowledging her and acknowledging her. He he says something like, "You're right, Tina." Oh, like. you know, no, no, I know what that's about. Cause like sh- as they're walking, she starts saying like, we don't even necessarily ever have to settle down. Like maybe right, like right, eventually, right, right, right. but like it, yeah, this right, idea yeah. that we're going to go somewhere and settle, like maybe that's the wrong idea. Maybe we should right, actually right, be right, nomadic right, right. for some right. time. And he gets really into that. Like it's this thought yeah. he hasn't even actually had. And he's immediately right. like, Oh, right. that's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, That exactly. felt like a moment to me where, where he started believing his own story, what the story he was telling others of kind of or or i suppose the story of himself as this great leader yeah you know, where he was he was seeing seeing that uh you know someone else said something suggested it to him and then he's like yeah let's let's do that i, I don't ever have to i don't ever have to stop i can keep exploring i can keep <laughs> going to the next place for forever and ever you know yeah yeah and uh that was a clever i felt like tina was um was hoping for that reaction in that yeah. conversation also because but that was also, she did not want yeah, to be there. But it was also it a little was, bit ambivalent really too because she didn't get sure. cuz he had to like he had to do it his own way and like be in right. total charge and like mm-hmm, she didn't yeah. love everything about that. Right. True. But anyway the 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 thing that the original point I wanted to make with all this was just that I love how, you know, in contrast to a lot of sort of myth stories this is not about individuals making isolated decisions so much as it's about political events occurring as a result of a complicated process of things kind of coming together in just the right way mm-hmm. you know like the a lot of the big decisions are are like that in that you know even even the john's initial decision to like explore this to go out into the snowy dark it's you know it's driven in large part by his nature and and kind of what he wants but it's also something that we see the other elements that push him to do that, you know, mm-hmm. the intransigence of the older members of family, um, the the kind of unwillingness to like entertain some sort of compromise or like, you know, right. like, <laughs> it's not just him like from scratch from nowhere. It's not one of these myth stories where it's like, yes, and um, 
and so and so was like living alone and then they decided to this and then they decided to that and then they decided to that it's mm. more complicated than that it shows different factors coming together to influence a key decision you know right. and that decision is thus not so it's not an atomic thing anymore right and then in some of the later books, right, like those decisions do get flatted into like John decided this and David decided that, right? Exactly. Like, those decisions do get flattened in the like telling of the yep. story over generations, which is, I think, like a key point to remember for for any of our own stories about ourselves, right? Like everything happens in a broader context. <laughs> like everything happens mm -hmm. in like a society. Um, society. But no, I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... Uh, Man, there's just like, I get overwhelmed talking about this book. Like, there's so many different directions I want to take that in. There's so a I, lot. I a, there's so yeah, much in I, there. Yeah. I have a yeah. question. I have a question for to to put to the to the group. Um, cool. I'm really interested in in the political. Um, yeah, let's, let's do this. Yeah, the political theories that this book has. So my question is, what do you think this book is saying about the nature? of politics and how history and politics work. Do you think that um, this book thinks that history and politics works differently from like what we learned in high school or something? Or do you think it has exactly the same view? Like, what do you think it's, it's how do you think it thinks that history happens? Well, I, I think it's, if it's going to, if it's saying anything, I, I would think that it's saying that it's a lot more complicated than than it seems like it is on the surface or that the way that the way that those two things intertwine that they're very very tied together right and uh and it's not nearly as simplistic as learning the history of an event it's it's much uh much more gray you know in between a and b between these big big events that and that that um that there's value in many different perspectives on an event that mm -hmm. that that adds um you get closer to the truth of something the more perspectives you can you can get uh on that event yeah mm. i am a bit hesitant to make any statements about what i think the book itself is saying or what i think like chris as an author is saying and like i think you and i have this tension a little bit on this podcast where i tend to be a little bit more like death of the authory and more interested in my own interpretation than what i think necessarily the author is saying i noticed this tension a lot in the semiosis uh post read when I was editing it that like you know you like I was often like oh I don't know like who's saying what but this is what I took away whereas you'd be like oh I think the book is like making this argument that this is a utopia and like so I feel a little bit here like you know just to like dig into the question itself a little bit because I really want to talk about the political philosophy but I'm also like I have a lot of feelings about like what I think is right and wrong. And I have a lot of feelings about like, you know, like even like who made the right decision in different places. I have a hard time. Like, I don't feel like I could tell you like, Oh, this is what, you know, the book's political philosophy actually is, or this is what Chris Beckett's feelings on these things are. I know a little bit from like talking to him on Twitter yeah, and no, watching I, him tweet and stuff, but like, I'm not, that is one in, place, in him, you know, Actually, right. that's why I use the word the book, because I think, you know, like any, narrative it has it has limits it only says some things and it doesn't say other things so mm -hmm. it's sort of to me it's more a question of like what is the implication 
cool, you know, of cool. the way this narrative is constructed. That's really the, the question. Okay, I'm cool. In, you know, like, cool. Yeah, I just wanted to like actually just like be up front, like figure, like be upfront about that uh, at first, and then I think. Like, you know, actually, um, Kevin, to your point that like, you know, different perspectives are key. I think I think that is actually one of the points of the book. And I think that Mm -hmm. actually like there's this interesting piece where it's not so much that like, oh, different perspectives are. uh, There's this element of it that there almost there is not one story. It's not like there is one truth that you can get to rather like there are a lot of different experiences of the world. And I think this is something that like jet, like Jeff's chapter in particular is kind of like the thesis statement of like this particular element, which is that Mm -hmm. like, you know, live or die, like, you know, Jeff's perspective will be one that like has existed, right? Like, you know, when, when he's kind of like lost and he can't, he can't find the others and all of this stuff. And he's not sure if he'll live or die. He's like, well, whether I live or die, like my perspective is one that will have existed and that is in and of Mm -hmm. itself valuable. And I think there's this kind of larger piece here of like, it's not that every perspective is equally valid. It's not that like you can't be right or wrong because everyone has their own feelings about a thing. Um, it's that there isn't necessarily one right or one wrong, right? Like it's that these perspectives come together to form a greater, you know, whole is greater than the sum of its parts kind of situation where like, it's, it's almost like, especially when you talk about humans, when you talk about like, a political group doing a thing and like deciding things like as a group, as a super organism to take just one perspective on that decision is not to fully understand how the decision was made. Right. Like to try to be like, to boil it down between like this idea versus this idea or like this person like made this decision is boiling it down too far. You're like losing essential elements of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. You know, and, it, and from that perspective, like obviously, it's way more complicated than we learned in high school because you know sure. you don't learn any of that <laughs> shit in high school. At least I didn't. <laughs> um, but you know, in terms of like what the book actually thinks about political philosophy and how you know, I I I, I don't know. I mean, clearly, there's this element where like there's a couple of there's, there's something I find really interesting. And I think the book actually like, there's a character who like states this at some point, which is like, there's a way in which this is the story of like a matriarchal society becoming a patriarchal society, right? There's a story of like, you know, like a society where like women generally hold the leadership roles to one where like men generally hold, hold leadership mm-hmm. roles and like mm-hmm. further changes that go along with that. Like the, the introduction of violence as like a way of solving problems in society and, right. you know, the kind of like the, 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 depreciation of like consensus building as a way of like, you know, as of, of decision-making as opposed to like violence, the decision-making or voting or whatever, um, you know, and this, this tension between like consensus and like other forms of decision-making, I don't necessarily think the book is you know, like, obviously the book is not saying that like, Oh yeah. Like David's society is better than Caroline's, but I also don't know right. if it's potentially saying that like, you know, Oh, like this, like matriarchal society was like the best way to run a society either. I think that's one kind of interesting thing about it is that there's no, best way of doing so there's no ways that are just wholly good 
right? Like mm-hmm. in the, in this way, right. like, you know, as opposed to something like semiosis, which is like, has this utopian, there's nothing utopian about this book. This book does not view like any of these societies as like the ultimate good or like as, you know, mm-hmm. not even as good as it can get, but even just like, you know, all like positive, like everything is yeah. at best like mm-hmm. neutral. Um, right. These are I bad mean, situations all right, around. Right. Yeah. You can get bad, but it's hard to like get like great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you can get yeah. worse. Every, that that to me is there yeah, I, I think that that is one of the kind of implications or assumptions behind that seems to be behind a lot of the things that happen in this book, which is that you know, everything is really flawed. Um but all of these really flawed things are, you know bouncing around in this world that has hard material constraints. And so some of the problems that these flawed things encounter are problems that if not solved will result in total extinction of society. <laughs> like mm. if they if they do just outgrow the resources of the valley without doing anything about it, they'll that'll be that. You know, that and that that really seems to be something that is is like not only do the characters believe that, but I think we're we're meant to take it seriously. Yes. Um, as a as a possibility um mm-hmm. and so yeah there's no like there's no not only that but there's there aren't any characters that really believe that like like even john who wants to like break things and make new things more than anyone else except maybe jeff um even john doesn't really believe that what he's doing will like he doesn't really have a utopian vision he yeah. just like wants stuff and like that's mm. even how he thinks about it it's like mm. not he's not like bamboozled by some or not, he's not he's not overcome by some some specific sort of emotional vision except you know in the in the limited aspect of having things that he wants to get or to have or to be like um so that's a very different way of describing you know how groups operate than it might have chosen. I mean, I I don't like I really like this book, you know, and I like how it describes groups and group dynamics and how people make decisions and 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 how complicated all that is. Um, but like another another thing that it could have emphasized to that it didn't would be perhaps the the role that or that's not quite right, but it's just there's a question of emphasis uh in terms of how the people are motivated. You know, they they seem to be motivated by certain things more than others. And, you know, that I think that, you know, it's it's sort of interesting to think about how they're not so much motivated by big visions or like big stories, maybe to put it that way. Like John is not in pursuit of becoming like a certain person in a big story or, you know, he has his own kind of vague story that he wants to be in somehow, but it's not it's not quite. You know, it's not quite uh, the same as I, I could imagine it, it working differently, which is kind of an interesting. And so th- that that's that's one thing. And the, and the other thing about uh, about how the politics works to me is that it's very um, the the way that the way that the family changes the is very interesting. The kind of you know, there's a lot of ways that um, group dynamics can change clearly, like in the real world. Um, but like the the way that this group dynamic changing, the way that David seizes power um, is 
one of the most accurate, I think, yeah. de- depictions in in fiction that I've read of how that kind of dynamic can change. And I I totally believe like basically every aspect of that. Um, and I think that's pretty rare. You know, usually when I read about group dynamics changing, I, I find it to be like, you know, there's one or more aspects that that are just a little bit like, eh, I don't know, you know, that was a little fast or that didn't seem mm. fully motivated or, you know, something. But in this case, it seems like a really accurate, like at a very basic level, you know, sure, like some other thing could have happened maybe, but like, are all of these specific changes in this group plausible? Are all the moves that these different people make plausible? Is Sue's reaction to David and his activities plausible? It's very plausible. Like her combination of like, of like sort of desperate rear guard attempt to like reverse changes, you know, Mm. and like her appeals to Mehmet, you know, and like all that sort of stuff is, is, of course, like it's exactly it makes total sense. But, you know, the and then furthermore, the way that she kind of is just can't completely adapt herself instantly to the new world the way that David can like David sort of once he sort of sees what the new rules could be, he, he kind of like knows what to do in some sense. He kind of like, right, intuitively has a better feel for what will work and what won't. Right. To get what he wants. And, and she less so. And that's like that dynamic is very plausible. That that seems to be something that actually can happen. So I guess, one, you know, like, yeah. One key thing that I loved was that, like, he took control of the group, not by installing himself as like, right? Like, it yes, wasn't that yes. like, oh, like the group heads and family head and everyone else like went away or stopped existing or he did anything to like destroy that yeah. structure. Yeah. It's that he built a separate structure to the side which then when a va- power vacuum was created, that separate structure was able to like fill the void. Right. Mm-hmm. This is something my, um, I was talking about with someone else recently about like, you know, why the communists like won in Soviet Russia and like, or in pre-Soviet Russia, like during, during the, um, the revolution. And like, one of the reasons was like, Oh, well they already had this whole, like kind of like shadow government structure of their own. Like they had meetings and they had secretaries and they had all of this stuff in place. So that like when government fell and there was no government, they were able, well, they had their own government and that was able to just like slot in this power vacuum much more mm-hmm. easily than like people with maybe like different political ideologies. Like it was less about the political ideology and more about like, they had this like power structure amongst themselves already in place and like that's one thing that david did really like intelligently was like built the guards build his own power structure like he had all that in place so like when the power vacuum exists like it's natural that people look to him it's natural that you know like he already has that power structure and like how much of this is about like who already has the power structure to like slot into that vacuum um and that vacuum can be created even while nominally the same people have the same roles as before, right? Like Carolyn didn't die. There weren't not group heads. Like she was still family head, but like there was still a power vacuum created yeah. in there. There's just a new thing called the guards. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, you know, it's essentially a military, right? And and they yeah. kind of all agreed that they needed something like that because of that split. Right. So there was a, there was a, a vacuum and, 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 and like, like okay, so well, many military coups, like, mm-hmm. The coup doesn't happen by like killing the president. It happens by like having the president make a statement like that. This other guy is who you should listen to now. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I just, I love the way that it, in the same way that John's decisions and like there's no, like the book sort of wants to explode the atomic, the supposedly atomic nature of a decision. I, okay. Like, you know, when I say the book wants, that's, that's a, that's a, that, I don't mean like literally Chris Beckett is, I, I don't no, literally totally, think, totally. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we have yeah. to be, I, I just to be you, clear. I so, um, you know, the, the book wants us to, 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 to see decisions as more complicated than a single individual wholly isolated from their peers or comrades just simply of their own like essence coming out with a new idea and then deciding to do it like it wants to explode that idea and instead it's sort of like there's this gradual accretion of like inputs and factors that then at some point results in somebody saying something that you can kind of see you know where that came from but you can't isolate it perfectly and then having said that people react to it in mm-hmm. their soft subtle ways Right. And, you know, eventually sort of people do stuff as a result of that. And you can see the way that the, the society <laughs> changes, you know, really mirrors that conception of decision making and, and interpersonal reaction. It doesn't happen because of any one thing. Right. It's this sort of shifting occurring in different people all at once. And then what if a uh, horse wasn't a tight, wasn't a specific animal, but just a thing you could do to animals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I that lo- to me is I one of my that. favorite <laughs> examples of that, of like, you know, sort great. of like this thing that everyone knows about, which is like earth had horses. And then like, you know, Jeff in some ways having the wrong fact, right? Like horses are an animal in fact, <laughs> but having the right idea with that wrong fact. And mm-hmm. then like being like everyone immediately having like, Oh, there's this word that we already had, but we can apply it to a broader category of things. And all of a sudden that lets us do so much like, you know, we've named a new thing and that name gives us like power over these things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt Matt, but like that, this, the, that, that to me was such yeah. like, a yeah. key yeah. example of that yeah. happening. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, the, the way that the book treats language, you know, jives very well with the way the book treats decisions because yes. it's not about, um, individual isolated word units uh, kind of replacing each other or something like that. It's about, you know, one word acquiring a new meaning while retaining its other ones. And then gradually the other ones might be forgotten. Or it's about like combining two words. You know, it it, it, totally. it has an understanding of the way change happens in people's ideas and relationships that is... I think pretty sophisticated. Um, yeah. And I would agree. And that's kind of the core of why a lot of, and, and it's, and it's also very consistent in its application of these, of these ideas. Like that's a really admirable thing about this book is that like, it doesn't like, it doesn't seem to sort of have one idea in one chapter and another idea in another. It's very consistent in its application of its understanding of human nature and mm-hmm. human interaction. It just has the same understanding and like really hues to it. And since that understanding is good, it ends up with something that's really interesting. Right. And this is, you know, again, like not to read too much into the author, but I do feel like this is this kind of like, you know, both the sense of like psychological reality, like every character is very like, even while they grow and change, they're consistent. That growth and change like makes sense for who they were before and who they're becoming based on the like situations they've been put in. 
And then also this like larger idea of like how societies work and how people work within societies. It does feel very much taken from this, you know, like Chris is a social worker. He's a psychologist who like works with a lot of people largely in bad situations. Like, you know, that mm-hmm. like that, like his history there, you, we talked a little bit about this perspective being like an interesting one. Like, I don't know if I've read other fiction by social workers, genre or no genre. Right. And like, that is a really, to me, fascinating perspective on this whole thing. And like, I think, I think that I I really think that must have brought something to the table, like his frameworks for like understanding how people make decisions and how, why people do things, right? Like that's a lot of what social, I have a friend going through social work school right now. That's what a lot of social work is. It's like frameworks of understanding why people make decisions Mm -hmm. based on their circumstances. Um, Mm Like that yeah. is just like, like so perfectly, you know, mm-hmm. and so like, um, easily kind of like, like it's the foundation for the book. Like, it's not like someone mm-hmm. who's like coming from it from the outside, having to think about it constantly. It's just like the way it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on a to- on another topic, you know, this, this kind of gushing about the books, like, you know, really interesting ideas about how decision-making works and how people relate to each other makes me want to talk about, uh, the criticism. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think this is a um, good point for it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, to, to kind of recapitulate, you know, there's a, uh, a review of this book by NK Jemison that, that I have, that I like a lot that, uh, we've all, you know, I think, uh, taken a look at, or at least we're familiar with the argument and the argument basically, or at least one of the arguments that she makes is that, the characters in this book are a weak point. They are yeah. relatively underdeveloped and relatively stereotypical. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in particular, the men. right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like, the men and the women, you know, there, there's a problem of the men being too important and the women being insufficiently developed and the men being like slotted into these sort of classic archetypes Right. So that's how I read the criticism was less that like the characters are super weak and more that like it's this very typical kind of like, you know, one young man has an idea about how the Mm -hmm. world should be and like makes it right and like creates the world in his image, which is like to be very fair, like kind of a really boring and tired sci-fi trope, right? Like that's (laughs) that's like golden age sci-fi in a in a nutshell. (laughs) So it is. And and to me that that's just another way. Like that is a weakness. I mean I think yeah you know anyway so so uh so Kevin I was interested what having read the book now what do you think of this criticism? I haven't read that specific review. But I, you know, so my, my, uh, entry point to it is just hearing both of you talk about it. I can totally see how you could read the book that way, but it it almost feels a little bit reductive to just a little bit because of the way that this story almost is commenting on itself the whole time that it's, Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. going forward. It feels like it's commenting on that kind of story but you know you could also say that it is that kind of story at the same Mm -hmm. time right Mm -hmm. right but it is it 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 seems like it's having a conversation with itself about itself while it's happening you know and Mm -hmm. that that could just be my interpretation of it too right um because because it it does it is that sort of story um and i i think that that her perspective is entirely valid in that in that way but it 
feels just slightly reductive of the whole picture of it to me. Right. Yeah. My, so my take on that review is, is one of the same as like, it is that kind like, it's not wrong, right? Like the facts that <laughs> right, she's relating right. are correct facts. <laughs> um, and, but like my take on the story is one where it's that kind of story. Like you say, that is actually like talking about the kind of story that it is and like commenting on it. And in particular though, I think it's doing it, you know, I, I made the, um, comparison to Catherine Bigelow in the in the pre-read before I'd really like reread the whole thing and um on rereading it as I, I I really stand by that comparison I think I think that there's this thing of like you know like writing in this very sort of like here are the facts and I'm presenting you the facts and how these people thought about these things kind of way that I think can I think when I read it the first time, there were certain elements that I thought like, oh, like, I don't really like that John's doing this, but the book's presenting it from his perspective. So I guess the book thinks that it's good. And upon rereading it, it's like, oh, no, the book is like expecting me not to like it and like wants me to bring that to it. And I can Mm -hmm. in particular totally see how if you're writing a like weekly reviewing three different novels a week for the New York times. Like you would read this very quickly and kind of allied over some of that stuff when doing that read. Right. Like I think in particular the like way that NK Jemison was reviewing books in the New York times and the way that these reviews often get written, which is like, you have to read quickly. You have to read a lot of books and you have to write like a very short amount of over it. Like I see how that's the takeaway you get from it, given that like, I I took half of that away from it the first time I read it and it's only through getting to reread it multiple times and reading the like other you know other books in the series in like getting to sit with it for a much longer time that I've like felt differently about it right like the first mm-hmm. time I read this book my response was really fun like page turner story for me because I love this kind of like mystery and exploration really great world building the characters didn't really do it for me. And it was a little bit annoying that it was this sort of like, you know, like clearly there was Mm -hmm. this like, you know, matriarchy into patriarchy and like that wasn't good, but also it seemed like not to be commenting that much on it outside of that rereading it. I feel like, Oh, it's actually doing a lot more commenting than I like gave it credit for at first. And like on reflection, I would have these ideas about like, Oh, well I think actually the book kind of means this. And then I would reread the book and I'd realize, Oh wait, that side character actually said that thing that I thought was my original thought. (laughs) It's just when I first read it, I didn't notice it because it was a side character. Um, It feels like it plays with the, with the, the expectation that John is the main character and reading it, you're going to go along with John's perspective. But like you were saying that there, there are things about, him and about the story in general that, that bother you, but I feel like they're supposed to bother you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the one thing I will say though, just to like, you know, be clear is like, I also think it's perfectly valid to be like, even if it's this kind of story commenting on itself, I'm still fucking sick of these kind of stories and don't want to read them sure. anymore. Like I also right, fully right. respect that opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and like, cause there's also a way to write this where it's like not that kind of story and it's commenting on the right. Like this isn't the exactly, only way yeah. to write this kind of commentary. I personally don't mind it. I like the way it's written and everything, but I also like deeply understand folks who don't or like particularly folks who don't for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, there's a, yeah, I agree with that. There's a couple of, yeah, there's a couple of things I would add just 
one is that I think, you know, in a lot of ways, um, this kind of feeling has a lot to do with trust, the trust that you are willing to put or the mm. commitment that you're willing to make to the story that you're reading. Um, mm. If you can, if you feel like you can kind of trust this book and you can just sort of let yourself go into it um, and let yourself like, you know, assume that it's sincere in what it's trying to do um, or this book or any book, if you can, if you, if you feel comfortable and able to do that, then like you might have a very different experience than if you don't feel comfortable and able to do that. And if you don't feel comfortable and able to do that, that might be completely that's, that's like totally understandable. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of just, just to, to repeat what you just said. I mean, it's, you know, it's easy to understand why somebody would be tired of a story that for all that it's self-aware is still the story of a, like a handsome, sm- <laughs> right. a, hands- a young, handsome, right. smart white guy, like <laughs> saving civilization, you right. know? Yeah. To be fair, um, not white, but yes. Well. Oh, true. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. He has a white name. Right. Right. <laughs> jo- yeah. There you Red go. Lantern. Traditionally white. <laughs> sorry. 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 That was somewhat dismissive. But no, I, uh, you, you are you are right that like he codes as like, like a very not, particular not type of mess, character. Right. Right. It's not exactly. Mess, right. You know, it's right. John. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's absolutely. biblical name. It's biblical name, John. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, the other, I, oh, yeah. Sorry. That oh, was, that yeah, was yeah, the, other, the other. The other thing is just that uh, it's. um you know, it's, there's a, there's a way that like the book sets itself out, sets itself up to be this story. You know, it sets itself up to be a small number of people, you know, it like all of the setup of this book, um, allow it to have relatively simple people in some sense, in a way that kind Mm -hmm. of makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. and if that is unappealing, it's sort of, hard to say well it doesn't make sense that they would be this way because maybe it does by the assumptions of the book maybe it does make sense that they are not very well versed in earth lore because they never got any education in it you know unlike semiosis people they were not like carefully educated by using the massive store of like earth materials they don't have like a couple people there that are excellent physicians or something you know Um, and that makes sense because of how this happened in the narrative, but how this colony was founded, it was an accident. Nobody intended it. And the sex and children was also kind of an accident. Um, mm. But, um, and that's, you know, all, yeah, that's a whole other thing we could also talk about. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I do want to get into the like sexual politics of the book. Actually. Yeah. But, but the, but the, but if you have an issue with how the, how, how the, characters are simple i mean it is legitimate to take issue with the setup allowing for that yeah i think i think if if it feels like these characters you know totally separate from the issue of how stereotypical they are i think there is a potentially an issue of flatness um it's not i don't feel that that it's uh, a serious issue i feel that it makes sense because i i kind of am willing to go along with the assumptions of the book right but that is something I understand someone not necessarily being willing to go along with. You know, you might just say, well, I don't like the idea that there's just like a bunch of semi, like semi-civilized, like the the concept of their civilization is, I think, potentially problematic. The, 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 
the ways that they like he I I trust this book and I believe it is sincere in its efforts to portray people realistically. But I think it it is it's also easy for me to see how it would be tough for people to start reading it and and see the use of language, the kind of baby talk type language and the low level right. of technology and have and feel that that's problematic and feel that that's kind of making them uncomfortable in a, a hard to define way, even if it's um, even if it's not like there's no there's no like racism going on here. I don't think I think it's like it's just like people who don't have very much. They're they're basically yeah. sort of poor like I, you know, it might be make more sense to describe them as very poor. Like they have very little, and they make do with what they have. But I can under, I can see how somebody might feel uncomfortable with that because I, I kind of disagree. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, again, I talked about a lot. Like, I grew up in poverty. Um, I I grew up very close to the situation in certain ways, um, and I am often made uncomfortable by depictions of poverty that either glorify it in some way or treat it as something that doesn't affect the way you exist right Mm -hmm. like it's actually one thing i really like about so you know we've called it post-apocalyptic you know it's like we have this hard time kind of like defining like what the genre-y thing type is and i think part of it is like it's post-apocalyptic and that a lot of post-apocalyptic literature is about like living in what's essentially poverty and like that's that's really what like they're living in an impoverished state. It's not that they're uncivilized, it's that like they have a hard time getting the material stuff they need to live. Like that is a mm. constant pressure on them to to live is pressure and hard and difficult. And like that is the state of poverty. Um and I actually really I find the kind of st- I think if you're made uncomfortable by the simplicity of the way that they speak or by the simplicity of maybe even some of the way that they act, that's actually much less about the characters being simple and about you having a harder time recognizing the ways in which they're complicated because of their situation. Um, I think it's one of the better examples of like writing really sympathetically about poverty that I have scene in fiction frankly um i think a lot of fiction does it really fucking bad and as someone who like grew up in that kind Mm -hmm. of situation i'm constantly offended by the way fucking people treat people in poverty (laughs) you know like honestly like this book and brown girl and the ring are the two we've read that like really kind of nail it um and so i i i you know it's not to say that like oh like i'm not saying like oh you shouldn't be uncomfortable i think it's that's actually a place where you're meant to kind of be uncomfortable. And if you can't sit with that discomfort, I would challenge you try sitting with it a little bit more, not to say you have to like it, but like try sitting with it a little bit more. Yeah. To be clear, that's not how I feel. I, I I do. I know. I I, I I really enjoy this, but, um, but I think, I guess what I, to me, it's, it's still the trust thing. It's like, if you, if you trust that he knows what he's talking about and is doing a good job, then it's sort of easy to, even mm-hmm. if it hasn't, it's even if it hasn't been your experience, it's easy, easy to go along with. If you don't trust him, totally, then you might feel like, well, I mean, I don't know, and neither does he. So right, this sucks, right? You know. 
But yeah, but I will uh, say like if you, you know, don't trust him, but do trust like Donna Tart or something like that, like question your fucking priorities. <laughs> As someone who hated the goldfinch, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Sorry, I'll I'll leave that aside. That's legit. I don't have any points. I completely I completely missed the poverty angle on this entirely. That's a that's a really great observation. Cause I, I, I skimmed, I, I just didn't notice that really at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I more noticed the, the religious angle of it, mm. the, totally how, mm. how important stories and religion and mythology are to the way that this society has shaped, uh, are the, the, those are the forces that have shaped this society into what it is. And it, it's the, they're the same tools that they use to maintain the society that exists and in in some ways uh some of the younger characters the the teenagers and kids in it they're sort of rejecting a lot of those stories or starting to question them and and say you know is that really did that really happen is that mm-hmm. really how that happened you know and <laughs> and that sort of drives them to 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 make their exodus from it in a, in a way and and make their own stories and that was that was really that was a huge theme of it for me, but, but I completely missed the poverty angle. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, and again, this is my experience and I I don't want to get too personal here, although I will later in particular probably, but like there's a, there's a way in which those two things go hand in hand, I think. Sure. Right. Like there's a way in which the kind of like, you know, the, the particularly this like, you know, like place of poverty or like not having, uh, you know, like food insecurity and shelter insecurity and like, like all these kind of like insecurities, like, you know, like, like pretty low level Maslow's hierarchy and security type right, stuff right. Um, influences the kind of religion they have, right? Like the religion is one about, oh, in the future, we will all have these, we will be secure. We will be back on earth and secure again. Exactly. We will, you know, have light again. We will, have, you know, it's like, you know, we'll have food. We'll have, we'll have animals that are like us. We will, you know, have more people than us. And it's, you know, it's, it's very yeah. much this, like, you know, the, the religion they formed, which is like obviously based on the truth in a lot of ways, but it's like a particular type of story they tell about the truth um is it's kind of based on their hope of the truth that they that, that exactly. earth will come and rescue them and and, things and even will be their made bones the that, even their bones will be even taken their bones yeah. exactly Dude, yes. exactly and that's you know and so much of it is like you know this religion they formed is formed because of the insecurity right and it's like that's the type yes. of religion it is is one of like you know and again this just speaks so much to me of growing up in you know like a very conservative christian and impoverished mm-hmm. household of like you know, what is heaven, but being rich, like heaven is the promise of like someday you can have whatever you, not just whatever you want, everything you need. Cause you don't yeah, have everything yeah. you need right now, but like someday you'll get it. Just mm. be good. Right. <laughs> being good is equivalent of getting everything you need. And if you're bad, you won't get what you need to live. Um, is also this really like trying thing, right? Like the flip side of that story is really trying. And I think that's one of the things that John is really pushing back against. And like one of the ways in which I do admire him, not as like, a, you know, in like his decision-making process is the sense of like, no, like we should get what we need by getting what we need. It's not a future mm-hmm. reward for being good. It's something we work for now and it's something we right. deserve. 
Um, and that is, I think the one way in which like, if there's something, you know, admirable about him versus like David, it's like that kind of spark of an idea that like, we actually deserve to be happy and we deserve to have security in our things and in Mm -hmm. our needs. Like we deserve to get what we need, (laughs) which is, you know, I think as a, you know, this is something like, you know, I'm going to get really personal here for a second. Like I, I'm in therapy and this is one of the things that comes up for me a lot is this feeling of like, Oh, I don't actually deserve stuff that I need. Right. And it's this thing that comes about like living in poverty and living with this like particular, like kind of like, you know, this the particular type of Christianity that I grew up in is a sense of like, you know, like you don't get what you need unless you're a good person. And if you, you know, don't get what you need, it means you're a bad person. Like it's self, you know, it's this kind of self-explanatory thing um, that is like really pernicious and really hard to deal with and like not a fun way to live your life. Um, Anyway, sorry. uh, Again, I got like really heavy there really quickly, but (laughs) won't be the last time in this episode. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) But this is something, this is like why I like this book is because I think it actually deals with this stuff. Like, you know, it doesn't let people off the hook because they're impoverished. And it also like, you know, it, but it also doesn't say like, oh, you know, like they've made bad decisions in a bad system. Like that makes them bad people yeah. inherently. Yeah. And of I think course are the it's two different kind of like yeah. easy and, failure and, modes. And of course, at the beginning, they're all equal more or less in their poverty. You know, mm-hmm. one other thing the book is in some sense, the story of is the emergence of a more hierarchical society out of a more equal society. Right. Um, by the end of the book, you know, mm-hmm. different groups, there are these very separate groups that have very different kinds of material lives, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's, it's very interesting. So since it starts out with everybody more or less in the same situation, you know, sure they have different jobs and they maybe are happier or less happy, but they don't, it, it's not like the book is showing us some people dominating others in the beginning. And that yeah. being the default. And even at the end, because of the incredibly contingent and arbitrary nature of the way events unfold in this book, I don't think we're meant to think, I don't think it's it's sort of nudging us into some view that, that like, yeah, this group of people is better than this group of people. And this group right. of people is, there's certainly there are some groups we kind of don't like more than others. <laughs> right, but, right. Sure. I have it seems a- like that's drawn, brought about almost, almost directly by access to resources also. So you take a group of people that are yeah. essentially the same, like you were saying, and then you have John and his group that leave and find a place with better resources. Mm-hmm. More is available to them. They're mm-hmm. literally wealthier because of those yeah. resources than the other mm-hmm. areas. And that causes, you know, the the formation of that that the guards, I suppose the military and then, and then suddenly they're right. It feels like they're just about on the brink of war all the time after that. Once mm-hmm. one family, I suppose, or group, depending on how they defined those, uh, <laughs> has more resources than the other, you have a scarcity and then suddenly it's, yeah, that's, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I could see that escalating a lot in, in the future books. And of course, you know, I haven't read them, but I could, it, if, if several more generations pass, I could see that turning into a, a larger problem. Yeah, I I mean, I could see and that's that one of those too. things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> having read the other and books, that's I those... definitely could see that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, I I, um, I just I, I there's one there's one thing that I, I I sort of vaguely alluded to earlier that I'm just like remembering how much I love it, which is the 
It's just like so disconnected from what we were talking about, but I was just thinking about it as soon as you were saying that, because I was thinking about the other books, is the the environment that they're in. Like, you know, the stories are, are very there's a very materialistic conception of of politics and history here, which mm-hmm. of course the entire setup is sort of premised on that. You know, since right. they are they have so little um and their environment is so strange, so much of it is about it's like this very, very Robinson Crusoe description of like individual elements of their environment and like how they can figure out a way to use those and like cobble together like some tools yeah. or like find a new kind of servant in the form of the mm-hmm. animals um mm-hmm. that's like exactly what robinson crusoe is but it's you know by that that part of what a book like part of what a story like that is assuming is this like um is this kind of particular uh, like the book could have been written in such a way that their environment was plentiful and the focus right. was very much not on that. You know, you could right. imagine that like there are a lot of stories of a crash landing on a, on a planet that has like loads of natural right. resources or, or well, even you talked in, about this with semiosis of like, right, Oh, the book right. isn't really interested in the survival stuff after the exactly. first chapter or two. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, it like, it's just, it, it's easy to sort of forget how much the setup is influencing yeah. The like, you know, quite logical and reasonable outcomes. Um, right. it, you know, this is was intended to be a story that involves like material culture and that involves like scarcity mm-hmm. driving mm-hmm. people's decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting how like it's interesting how that changes from this book to the other books. But anyway, the actual thing that I was thinking about was the the material world itself, which we haven't talked as much about. I love the world oh, so much. A. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah. I love the sounds and the smells and the way that it's dark and the light, the way that light works. I love the <laughs> animals making their and the trees thrumming in the background and the yes, and the yeah. starbirds in the forest going whom 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 like I love that it's so good <laughs> right I love one thing in particular of like how he reminds you about the noises of the background yeah, over and over and over yeah, again and yeah. how they change in different places and I how love the, that the characters recognize those changes and yeah. also how they don't recognize those changes yeah. like both of them like god damn yeah I I like the setting for this yeah, it's so good and so there's a cool. particular like i was thinking about this because there are a lot of books that will try to there are a lot of you know narratives that will try to adopt a technique of, of like kind of repeating some some setting detail to like establish that detail as a as a <laughs> as a trope um and this book is so effective at that and so so many books are, are less effective than this and i was thinking like part of it is this phonetic sensibility that he has that goes into the way the, the language is written. You yeah. know, the the word whom, which is the call of a starbird in this book, or the hum of the trees, like they're these they're these very like, I don't know, like big vowel sounds that are like they're resonant. Like that you res- can feel yeah, them like, shaking your chest the way they yeah, must there, the there's characters. A, there's a there's a particular phonetic sensibility that really succeeds here like like if he had made the bird sound like the cock or something like you know like it's just, like like that doesn't work as well it yeah. just doesn't right. like right yeah it also it is it insinuates to, that it's very different yeah right yeah. It insinuates it's very very different from what we're used to 
And one exactly. thing that because it's a sound that's a little, it a little different, sense but you can almost hear it. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. And he's really smart about like what he onomatopoeitizes, like what what sounds he like writes out phonetically, mm-hmm. and yeah. what sounds he just describes. Because I'm thinking of like the leopard. We never hear the leopard's call we get descriptions of the way the leopard sounds and it's like he's smart about that he knows what stuff to like write out in letters and what stuff to like tell you what the like emotional undercurrent of the sound is not like the sound itself and like that that all helps Right, it's too terrifying right. to get too specific with it, right? Like it won't right. be scary. Right, you can't say like specific. growl on the page and like be Roar, afraid yeah. of it, you know? No, you have to be like, went, it yeah. sounds like a woman yelling. Yeah, and like and that scene, the scene of the leopard. Oh yeah, yeah that was <laughs> so cool. It was just creepy. It was oh, yeah. so eerie yeah. the way he described it. It. it well, and then yeah, when you very... get like, like it's such this, like this is this thing I love where it's such this great inciting incident for like John and it really helps mm-hmm. to find John and who he is and like his mm-hmm. relationship with family and so much. But then it also works to make the snow leopard that much more terrifying too. Mm-hmm. When John right. can't back fight later, back yeah. all of a sudden, right? And these, mm-hmm. they're, they're up in snowy dark and getting yeah. picked off one by one. Oh, like, that's so awesome. Oh shit. Like John mm-hmm. actually gets weaker in some ways because his enemies are stronger and he knows less about them. And, like, like it's terrifying. Like that chapter is so yeah. scary. And that just chapter like, is so good. Like like yeah. the one the one woolly or the one buck gets killed. The other one runs off with Jeff, and like they get plunged into darkness immediately. Like yeah. oh oh, you forget that. Like oh, that's right. The only light is what they have on them. There can be no sunlight. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's just like that. It's a great way of working with the limitations of the world to to have it serve the story mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. within those limitations instead of them being a, you know, like, like instead a of them being something you have to work around yeah. that actually adds to the tension, the, the inbuilt world totally. Building. Yeah. And you know, you, you had asked in the pre-read, like, is this a world building centric novel? Oh, and this right. is why I had such a hard time answering that because the answer is like, mm-hmm. well, the world building is great. And the world really is used to tell the story. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. like you just said, yeah. like it's like the constraints like add to the story, not like have mm-hmm. to be worked around. Uh, but also like, it's not, it's just the world they live in and it's taken for granted yeah. by the characters and it's the character motivations that actually drive the story forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which does, you know, it, it does make it, uh, probably not unique, but it makes it like a, it, this rare story that can do both so well. Again, like he's not the best it character. Was well-rounded. Yeah. Right, right. It's probably like in some ways the characters are the weakest elements if you really want like a, you know, kind of like literary novel style character development. But like at the same time, like it is very much a character driven story. Like it's a story yeah. fully driven by its characters. And, and it seemed like any of the small little things about it that that bothered me or that detracted from it there are reasons in the book itself for those things to be the way that they are mm-hmm. that are easy to find mm-hmm. uh, or e- easy easy to um to to recognize i guess right so so there there are lots of little things you could nitpick about it but it just takes one step further to say oh okay well that makes sense though right for this story and what for these characters and you know just um like because it's all told first person there's so much that can that can work that way because you're you're coming from inside a character's right. perspective and not a third person narrative where you have to be a little bit more truthful about 
exactly what's going on, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. It, and it, because it, of that, it feels kind of like an oral history. Like. like it feels kind of mm-hmm. like them all telling you like their own perspectives on this story. Like it honestly, it reminds me of, um, I think it's Vulture. I forget exactly. There's like this online publication that will often do like oral histories where like oh, they, they get all someone do them to now. like, yeah, right, that started right. out with, yeah, 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 right. They they get you know they like will talk to a bunch of people involved in the making of something and then kind of cobble together all these interviews as like an oral history of this thing. Mm-hmm. And like this book like reads like that to me, and it's such a compelling format for mm-hmm. learning about an event. Um, Cause again, you get to see all these different perspectives on the yeah. event. It, I think it works better. That format is very compelling and I really like it. And it, and part of the reason it works is because the characters are so distinct. This is not, mm-hmm. uh, it's so distinct. And so often it, it kind of cross purposes. One of the things that, um, that I remember kind of was initially a little bit frustrating to me, although like I really like how it's done is the way that there aren't really any, like there are very few relationships in this book that I like where like yeah. I actually enjoy the relationship. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good one. And most mm-hmm. of the ones that are good are Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, for the most part, like a lot of the, the propulsive force of the narrative and the like interest in the switches from perspective to perspective kind of, has to do with the way that they are at cross purposes with each other and that right. the way that they disagree with each other. And if they mm-hmm. just agreed with each other, it would be a lot like it would be a very different narrative with a lot less kind of driving energy. Right. Um, like, you know, like a, a typical thing will be that one chapter will be one character plays a sort of like central role or is the POV character. And then in the next chapter, it'll be somebody like thinking to themselves how annoying that person was. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. maybe mm-hmm. disagreeing vocally maybe not but like certainly right. thinking how annoying it was when they did the thing you well know? especially yeah. john and tino which are like their set their first couple of yeah. chapters are set up with them really playing this dance of attraction with each other where they yeah, both yeah, are attracted yeah. to right. the other and they both know the others attracted to each other and they're both playing this dance but then like by chapter like six or seven or eight like she's just like 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 he's kind of ruined whatever like chance he had with her. And it's not that like, Oh, they're not going to get together and still like, you know, be together in some, you know, kind of polyamorous way. It's more that like whatever kind of childish ideas they had about like, Oh, we can have this great, fun, sexy relationship, like really get dashed against the wall really quickly. And so instead (laughs) they have this like frustrating relationship, the entire book. (laughs) And, And it's not like that's not realistic. You know, oh, there are a lot of relationships. <laughs> oh, right. Like, yeah. I, I don't want to say that I don't like these depictions. Like, I don't, I think they're good depictions of frustrating relationships, but they yeah, exactly. are frustrating. <laughs> they are frustrating. Right. Um, right. I, I just sometimes. It especially makes sense. Yeah. It especially makes sense in, in the poverty situation too, because right. all of these people have limited options, very, very limited yeah. options. Yeah. yeah. They can't for, just. For who they, yeah, what relationships exactly. they can be in and they need to rely on each other. They're forced into these relationships almost. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean, it's interesting to think too. It's like, you know, we only see the other characters from their own perspectives where like all they've ever known are the like, you know, malnourished other humans on this planet. But like, Mm -hmm. what would they probably look like to us? Like John probably isn't super like handsome looking to us, right? He's probably like malnourished and like weird looking, (laughs) right? Like it's probably true with any of them where they probably like, you know, like aren't there. None of them are healthy. 
like they all eat this like you know food that is an earth food and like that's all they have to survive on like none of them are like mm-hmm. you know well nourished even like the richest of them have a hard time of that right yeah. and so that's just kind of like i don't know i i i do it, but it is the place where it's like by being from the first person and being you know very much only from their perspective like the book doesn't necessarily comment on that like you have to um right. and that's you know and i think so I've been I've had this kind of thought in my head over and over again, thinking about the N.K. Jemison review and thinking about this other stuff we've been talking about, like, you know, the ways in which, like, you know, the book might explain stuff like in the text. That's also kind of annoying, but like it still might be annoying or frustrating or like whatever the negative kind of like word associated with that is for you as the reader. And I was thinking about the um, and I. I don't want to say this for sure. I think it was N.K. Jemison, though. It was either her or another female critic who I like writing about the short story, The Cold Equations. I don't know if you guys know the short story. It's like a golden age sci-fi short story. I forget who the author is, but the story is mm. essentially like there's this like guy in a spaceship and he's going to this colony planet and he has a bunch of medicine because there's like something bad happening on the colony planet and like they need his medicine and without him like you know, without him and his medicine, like they'll all die. And then he finds this like young female stowaway on his ship and realizes that like, you know, because she's on it, like the mass equations have changed and like, he's not going to be able to land. And it's a story told between the two of them largely where he's telling her like, Hey, I'm going to have to like space you. I'm going to have to like send you out the airlock. And like, yes, you have a compelling life history. You had a reason to run away and stow away. And like, you're very sympathetic. Plus like, you know, like golden age sci-fi, like you're a young white woman. So like, we should feel sympathy for you. Um, but I'm still going to have to like send you out the airlock anyway, because without you, like the cold equations say that we will crash and burn in the atmosphere. And then this whole cult colony will die. And you know, the, the criticism I read of this is like, well, that's nice and everything, you know, and it's supposed to be this like, you know, story about like facts and rationality and, you know, like how, like if the equations say it, then it's true. And like, you know, the world doesn't care about your feelings. Uh, but also like, there was an author who decided like that was a compelling scenario, right? Like the scenario right. didn't right. exist in the real right. world. Like, you know, it was right. his right. choice to tell that story. Yeah. Right. And, and I think by, that, you know, yeah. And by the way, the end about, is that she dies. Yeah. Right. And he, and he was <sighs> right, right? Like he was right to jettison yeah. her because like the colony survives and she dies. And like, you know, that's like, I do think it is worth, you know, when thinking about, you know, NK Jemison's review of this book or of like, you know, like either criticisms of it or other books of this nature where it's like, well, okay, even if there's an in-story reason for X or Y or Z, it's still fair to not like X or Y or Z. Oh, yeah, I think maybe absolutely. this is coming up more for us in this book because of the, like how unashamedly we like love this novel, but also recognizing that That's like, true. you know, like it, it was his choice to tell this kind of story. I That's like right. this kind of story and I think he tells it well personally, but also like that was this choice. And I, and I don't want to get stuck in the thing of like, you know, I really like it. And so like his choice was correct or like can't be questioned yeah. or whatever. Yeah. In fact, it's very easy to imagine this same book relatively unchanged, but John is a woman. That's easy to imagine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the decision to make John a man is a decision that has consequences and that we can, you know, we can talk about those right. and see, see how we feel about those. Right. But even beyond that, this is kind of what I was trying to get at with the, talking about how the, like, 
the like the setup of this book affects like you know affects the the sort of conclusions that the book reaches you know right exactly it's the same right. kind of thing you know the book is set up such that it becomes that the that the material uh limitations of their lives are very very important and that it's it's set up such that you know gender is a live issue in the politics of this community throughout the book mm -hmm. it wouldn't have to be that way mm -hmm. it could have been very different and still had a lot of other attributes that we like and so you know right yeah i right. think your example of that story is really a good one right yeah and that's kind of what i you know and, and i think this book is like way better than that short story is but i also oh, like it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you know it's worth like i think that's where some of the criticism especially like the valid criticism that i've read comes from and i may be engaging more with that valid criticism now than i normally would just because like i like this book so much and i want to understand some of that criticism instead of like ha like i don't bring a lot of my own criticisms to this book like i don't have a lot of stuff that i'm like oh well you know like i feel like i'm often kind of playing devil's advocate on this podcast being like oh well you know that said there was this piece that i want to like talk about not like i don't have a lot of that for this book like <laughs> yeah. you know i'm curious um, kevin do you do you have stuff like that for this book yeah do you have other criticism that were just your own Initially, the language was difficult to 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 um, go along with. Mostly, you know, it's something where if I had picked it up, I think on on my own and just kind of started reading the beginning, thinking, oh, maybe I'll maybe I'll buy this book or something. I'm in a store reading it. I probably wouldn't have mm -hmm. bought it and then actually read it mm -hmm. just because of that. Um, having it, 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 it takes a lot at the beginning to let yourself go along with it because of those first few chapters where you have to kind of accept the the strange sort of baby talk and and all of that and and, and be all, be all right with that so it has kind of a cost at the at the front to get into it i think um but like i was saying that it it all makes sense once once you get a little further into it you know so mm -hmm. most of the things most of the the small little really just nitpicky things like that have a reason for being the way they are uh, so I don't have a lot of criticism of it really. You know, I think that, um, like you were saying, you know, gender is a, is a, is a topic that the book is interested in. It didn't necessarily have to be that way. And the, the whole concept of, uh, you know, a matriarchal society giving way to a patriarchal society uh, bothered me a little bit, but you can, you can look at it and, and see why, it's saying the things that it, that it was for, mm. for various different reasons, you know? So it's not, but the, just really those two things probably are the main, the main couple of things where I'm like, okay, well that, and it's just a lot of it's difficult to read. There's a lot of sexual assault in yeah. it. Yeah. There's a lot of incest. It, the society is just so different yeah. from ours that it's, yeah. Right. That there's a lot of that, you know, and it, it didn't, that doesn't necessarily have to be there, but mm -hmm. At the same time, it comments on it a lot, let's, and let's, that may be some of the reason for that existing in this in this story. Let's talk about the sexual assault a little bit because there's kind of like two different, or almost like three different things in the novel that could be considered sexual assault or rape or like whatever. Um, you know, I, I, the specifics of like the exact, not whatever, and like being dismissive, but like the specifics of the exact word mm -hmm. to use is kind of complicated in this case. Um, but there's like, you know, what, what's called like the old mums, right? Like in them mm -hmm. sleeping with like, you know, 
I mean, it's essentially like 40 year old women sleeping with teenagers in order to like get their seed, um, which mm-hmm. is uncomfortable. And like, sure, there's like consent all around in every of these cases, but it's also one where there's like a clear age differential, a clear power dynamic differential. And like, you know, John talking about the ways in which like kind of all the boys pretend to like it, but actually Mm. like are made really uncomfortable by it. I found, you know, it's one of those things like that could have been included and like treated that way by the book. It could have been treated as like a conquest these boys are going on or a reward for them somehow. And instead it's like Mm -hmm. the book is saying like, no, like this is, hard for them and bad for them like this is actually something that's like not good yeah. and not healthy i mean yeah not just unhealthy yeah. but i think we're you know we're showing that it has a very serious profound negative effect on john like yeah. specifically yeah. and probably other people but he's like the pov person we get the most of who mm-hmm. does it and you know it fucks him up <laughs> yeah like yeah like he's got really serious issues as a result of that Right. And, you know, and he also like even beyond that, like there's also the Bella stuff, which I think goes like even one step beyond like kind of like the old mums, right? Where where he talks about like, this is someone who's a mother figure to me who like also expects me to be this other thing to her. And And like, I don't know how to say no. Right. But he tries to say no. Right. Right. Unsuccessfully. It's right. very, it's yeah, basically very, a rape. I mean, I think of that as, as a rape. Right. Yeah. Right. I agree. He very much does not want to be in that situation. Doesn't want to be participating in it. And right. And uh, yeah, it, I would I would agree that well, that would be rape. Yeah. And his rationalization of it, of like you know, but I I love Bella and I like want to help her and I know how hard this is for her and how big of a release this is for her. I mean, like that to me was like particularly uncomfortable in this. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I didn't read that more than once. I mean, it's that's yeah. that's you know my biggest sort of personal criticism of this book is that it's. It, there's a lot of ugly stuff that happens yeah. in the narrative that isn't mm-hmm. fun. Like, mm-hmm. there's also some really fun parts that I enjoyed a lot and got and were like very fun. But to be honest, I mean, I think of this as a very good book that, like, can be very hard to read. And and you know, that's one of the reasons why I like the second one a little more because it has a little less of that, although not none. Um, That's funny because I actually find the second book harder to read from that perspective. And I, you know, I, I really don't want to get too deep into this. Like I've had personally some experiences that are like kind of similar to John's, like where I've been in these situations with older women and like felt very uncomfortable and like unable to say no. And it was actually like the first time I read the book, I had to put it down a couple, like not knowing it was coming up. And this part of why, like I do the content warnings is not so like, Oh, so you don't have to read the book, but also just like, you know, it's showing up at all. And it, you can kind of like be aware of it. But like, I found it really difficult, but also really powerful in a way to have that narrative like on screen at all. And like treated so well. And like to, to have this character who is like, a strong character still be like fucked up by this stuff and like that to, to have mm-hmm. this kind of like engagement with like the specific ways that he deals with it so like you know again i think it goes back to that like trust of the the author thing but i really did right. kind of feel like oh like this is you know a thing i don't know that i've ever seen treated this way in a book before where it's treated as like 
only like it's it's bad it's wrong it's rape it's wrong and it's not good but like society doesn't view it that way and so it's really hard for john to be able to even think about it much less talk about it with anyone else right because the society as yeah. a overall views it as like kind of like a fun playful thing and like you know mm-hmm. i think in uh, real life when you see situations of like you know young men getting abused you know young teenagers getting abused by like their teachers for instance as as happens like we treat those stories so differently than we do when the gender roles are reversed or when it's just like a single gender in both cases and like that's you know really interesting and you know it's it's like does every book need to deal with this stuff no but like it's also it's interesting that like i think this is the only book i've ever read that deals with it and treats it as like a like it's just bad like there's it's there is nothing like good about it and like that's right. this kind of thing where like i i guess i just sort of like appreciated it in some way from that perspective you know i don't want to speak because there's also the like case of you know like john saving tina from like the boys trying to rape her dixon or whoever and like you know i think right. that is like on the one hand i'm really glad that he didn't actually show the rape on screen like it would have been really Mm -hmm. easy to and like have that yuck factor and he chose not to and i'm glad for that the same time i don't know how well that piece was handled compared to like the the boys and like you know but i i don't know it is a thing that's like really difficult but like i appreciate some of the difficultness it doesn't mean i like like it or i enjoy reading it but there is an element of like appreciation to it yeah that the scene with tina i really didn't love um i think you know there there this stuff is it i think that there's this is a good example of you know there's a lot of different ways to handle showing and not showing and what exactly do you show um such that you know i think you can you can feel like i think there's room to feel like this was something that was like worth having be part of the narrative, but also that it wasn't necessarily necessary to show as much as was shown Um, with Bella, especially like it's, you know, I just remember being very grossed out by it. Obviously I I haven't read that in a while, but right. I mean, I, again, I was too, but I also, and this is, I also think it's okay to have different reactions to this stuff. Right. Like, and, and and like the fact that like, like, I don't want to say like your reaction of being grossed out is like bad in any way, but also like that actually wasn't my my reaction in some ways was like weirdly of relief in it being shown instead of being glossed over. Like there's something about like how bad and uncomfortable it is that like, I appreciate that it's actually like there and willing to sit with it. And again, it comes down to some amount of like trust of like the author in the book and like other books, I won't feel that way. Right. And I think there's mm-hmm. also sp- something specific about the gender dynamic here where like I almost never feel that way when like it's a woman being abused because frankly, like we have too much of that shit. Like they're like, right. it, it's way too tired and way too easy to, you know, like as we said in the another episode, like to, you know, kind of like throw a rape scene at it to make it bad. Like, and that's, not what I feel like he's doing here necessarily. Um, and also like, because of it's like relative rarity, it feels maybe like different to me, mm-hmm. but you know, again, not to say that like your reaction is wrong at all, obviously so much as like, 
it has this, it, it, it's interesting. And I, and I, it's something I just wanted to actually like talk about ourselves instead of gloss over, even though it is really uncomfortable to talk about because I think it, you know, it's included in the book for a reason, right? Like it's not there on accident and it's not there for like fun storytelling, whatever. Um, and so I think it deserves some like kind of like uh, engagement with, I liked that we we got John's internal thoughts about the incident and, and his conflicting emotions regarding yeah. Bella because that that's the part when scenes like that do happen in books or movies that you don't really see yeah. that often because she's a she's a powerful figure in his life essentially a mother it uh, and he has that that can that conflicting uh, experience that he has with it is uh, uh it's just an important perspective to to put out there in the world it seems like because that that seems to get glossed over in in a lot of other situations like that right right yeah this is the difference between this and the semiosis rape scene where like you know there's this kind of like very little emotional engagement with it and like the you know there's maybe the sense of i forget who said it but someone was defending it a little bit in the sense like well maybe that's like you know, her reaction of just like total disengagement of like disembodiment while it's happening, which is like a reaction people mm -hmm. have to, you know, abuse of different kinds. But like this felt like a much more psychologically real depiction of how that disengagement works, which is not like mm -hmm. it disappears from your head and you never think about it again. It's that you like rationalize why it was okay. Mm -hmm. And like, that's fucking uncomfortable. Like it's not enjoyable yeah. <laughs> at all, but it's also like it's very uncomfortable, yeah. right? Matt, you look physically pained by this conversation. <laughs> yeah, I don't love it. I don't love it. I would just as soon not have this in the book, uh, or, or like, or like mention it without describing it. Um, yeah, see, that's where I think you and I disagree a little bit. Where I feel like sometimes mentioning it with it without describing it, like not always, but can gloss over it and it can make it feel like less of a, right. Cause that's what semiosis does. Essentially. Well, yeah, don't, don't do it in a bad way though. That'd be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like I don't want it to be bad. <laughs> I, I always kind of appreciate when, when, uh, when books shine a light on something that isn't generally talked about or, mm -hmm. or, um, show some kind of perspective on something that isn't usually voiced just right. because that's another angle of it that you can look at and, and yeah, it may be extremely uncomfortable and, and it's totally okay to, to not want to experience any of those things in books also, but it, it gives, it just gives another perspective on it or it gives an angle. It might, um, like to someone that has suffered that kind of abuse, it might, uh, represent them in a way that they haven't seen it represented before, which could be right. empowering. It's, right. it's just hard to, it's right. hard to say exactly, and it's such a difficult thing to to deal with in fiction. I think that, and, and mm -hmm. so many times it gets done, you know, in a bad way or in in a way that's not at all uh, empowering for any anyone that's been in a victim type situation like that. But it's right. It's hard to say exactly. Yeah. Right, and mm -hmm. you know, I think it's also again like it, it can be empowering, or it can be triggering, or it can be both for different people, or it can be both for the same sure. person. To, right, like you know, I think it's there's a lot of different valid reactions to this and again it's not me mm -hmm. trying to like make an argument for like why the book is like good 
overall so much as like, you know, I had a really interesting reaction to that. And like every time I've read it, I have. And I think every time I've read it, my reaction has almost as like as I've come to terms with shit in my own life, whether it is like, you know, growing up in poverty or or any of this other stuff, like it, it, I've also like related to this book differently. And like, in some ways I almost like it more weirdly. Um, But yeah, that is, you know, kind of like my, it's, it's hard to talk about this stuff without also getting really personal for me because like it is personal. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's probably, that seems like it's, you know, a big part of, why this book book spoke to you so much um, yeah. is because of how personal so many of the specifics were. Um, I mean, you know, honestly, like I, I think it's, I don't know how much you got this sense, but it's, I've always had the sense that, you know, this book spoke to you a lot more than it did to me. I, I really like it. Like, I yeah. think it's, I think it's great, but like it wasn't personal to me. Yeah. Um, no, this book is like, and you know, I think I had forgotten how deeply personal it is until the reread here. Cause the, the other two books are much less personal and are much mm-hmm. like, even, you know, even though as much as I love them, especially the, the final one, like it's less personal and more just like, Holy fuck, that was so great and fun and cool and weird. Mm-hmm. And like all these things. Mm-hmm. And like, this book is actually, I think, I think, I think it's become more personal over time too. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, kind of, kind of interesting. I hadn't really its, thought of that. Worming its way into your brain. Yeah. I mean, it definitely, I, th- I think this deeper. is one of those books that like affects the way I think about things mostly for the better, I hope. <laughs> but like, you know, like there's some <laughs> books you read that are like, oh, that was cool. And there's some books you read that are like, oh, that like, I feel different now. Or like, I know something different now. Not that I've like learned facts, but in that, like I have a, I have the word mm-hmm. horse where I didn't before. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have the word whom, whom, yeah. whom. So I, I have a question. <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to bring this to something a little bit more fun at this point. Um, okay. So both of you guys, you're, you're a character in this book. You're like, you know, you're another like, you know, new hair, you know, kind of like young teenager. Uh, John has like gone away and formed a new family. Carolyn goes off to talk to him and comes back to family and says, you know, you have five days. Anyone who wants to leave family and go join John's new group, like you can do it, but you have to make your decision in the next five wakings. What decision do you make? Do you choose to go with, with John and like, you know, potentially like leave your family behind and like have to like walk over snowy dark, but get to get out of like what is clearly a bad situation simmering with David? Or do you stay with the larger group and like, you know, like trust that it can deal with David? I mean, I hate David and I think that <sighs> he will succeed. And so I leave because of David. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, I, it would be a lot harder to leave if it weren't for David, to me, it's like, it's like Germany, 1933 or something. Like, it's like, you, you, you gotta get out. Like, this is like the Cossacks are coming. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you just gotta leave. Like that's the only good option or the best of the best of all the the bad options. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I'm thinking leave also probably because it, they're both, they're both bad options, but leaving seems to be the one that has a potential future mm-hmm. and the it's staying there. It's just like a, a, a timer ticking down basically to, to very bad things happening. And the, and the situation itself to start with is not good. Right. So it's, it's a potential, it's a potential better situation or a not good situation, 
that will get worse definitely so it's 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 just a statistics thing at that point but yeah it, it would be a hard choice to make in reality um because you have a lot of immediate danger situations that you would be in by leaving but right the potential gain is there so plus you leave your family right like you have to leave yeah, your mom you have to potentially leave any siblings who are too young or too old to make it Oh no, I have to leave the like older women that like rape me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. It's yeah. not a good situation from the start. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> and it's, you know, I think it's one of the interesting things about this book that like, you know, again, like it's called Eden and yet like even family, even at the beginning is bad. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, uh, yeah, dark. It's Eden. like, it's, you know, evil yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I had never actually even considered that read of the title, but you're absolutely right. That was the first, I mean, that's just the first, like, you know, that's what I mean where it's like in the beginning, you know, you might feel uncomfortable being dropped in this like kind of weird dystopia of poor right. people who talk like babies. Like I can, you know, that's like, yeah. What is being <laughs> what is being said by the fact that this is dark Eden? <laughs> like, oh, oh, you know, like, you know, these sort of like uneducated poor people like living in a weird valley together and inbreeding, like some like horrific nightmare version of like the like liberal fantasy or, you know, stereotype of like rural Appalachia. It's almost like an right. HP Lovecraft, you know, racist fantasy. <laughs> right but of course i like don't think classist it actually, fantasy maybe right <laughs> right but I, I but of course i you know i don't think it like you know that's not actually where it goes you know and right. i don't actually think that's that's not the experience i had reading it right yeah that's not actually my interpretation of it overall <laughs> but i can't see how that would be in the first few chapters <laughs> interesting interesting <laughs> Cool. So are there other like major things we wanted to talk about, like themes or items or anything that's been left on the table so far? I think it'd be fun to talk about the end of the book, kind of where we, where, where things are left Ah. um, as they, as they, and I know this is going to be difficult probably for both of you, but, but, uh, finding the ship. What are your thoughts? What are my thoughts? Yeah. Um, because I think it might be easier for us to respond to you than okay. to try to talk first. At least for me, that's how sure, I feel. Yeah. I don't know how you feel, Matt. I liked I liked finding the ship as a moment where their their journey's basically over because, or the story's over because it ends their hope for the the religion or the mythology that they had, the story mm-hmm. of being saved. That's essentially null and void at that point they found the ship the the three companions never made it off the planet they there's no one coming for them mm-hmm. you know they're, they're not going back to earth and and i also like that it ties in to uh to jeff's saying of uh what does he say we really are here or we yeah. are really here you know we're really here right? and essentially yeah it's 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 sort of like his perspective um in the end he they all have to live now and they all have to make their own future at that point mm-hmm. because no one's going to come and help them they have to they have to exist in the moment and they have to also be planning for their own future and they have they have more at that point um responsibility to 
to shape the future, the kind of future that they want. And it's essentially that they, they, it's almost as if they've escaped from that story that used to bring them hope, but now they can create their own hope if they want to, to have that kind of society. But it's just, it's like an end to, um, to the, the future that the possible future that could have existed for them is now gone. Mm -hmm. One thing I really like about the way that scene is written is that like Tina sees John and Jerry and Jeff and whoever else is with them, like yelling and she can't tell if they're like happy and excited or like scared or sad or what's going on. And the closer (laughs) she gets to them, the more she realizes it's because they don't know either because they're all seeing something. It's like, (laughs) You know, like Ian Banks in Accession would call it like an out of context problem, right? Like they're that, seeing yeah, something exactly. they don't actually know how to deal with emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, it was, it was fun seeing them describe the the, the textures and the materials, yeah. And yeah. all of this because they, at this point they've had like you know one chiclet key or something, or like the right. keyboards that they would run their fingers across, or they would have uh, like a, a small piece of glass or a ring that was a, a metal that they you know that wasn't yeah. stone. And now they have an entire uh, landing vehicle of, of materials and textures that they just cannot describe. A vehicle, exactly. Right. Yeah. When, Speaking of which, there was one word in that that I could not figure out what the what the extraordinary. Yeah. What, what I was that? Think what, it's what extraordinary. Oh, okay. I think okay, so it was the first. Like I've read it several yeah. times, and I've always wondered what that word is, and I. This time, the first time I saw it, I was like, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Be, yeah. I think because I think it's like when there are extraordinary events and everyone needs to come together to figure out what they are. I don't know. I'll actually that I'll ask sense, Chris yeah. on Twitter and see if he he responds and I'll put it in the show notes because I had meant to do that before. Great. This and then yeah. Forgot. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really remember so all the that. other ones you can kind of get, you know, and like anniversary anniversary or whatever. Right. It's, how right. Saying, or or, or, or out, secret key <laughs> secretary yeah. secret right. key yes yeah, yeah. Lucky yeah. oh one other thing before lucky i forget trickety. about it yeah lucky trickety yeah <laughs> one other thing before i forget um the way that they their their curse words you know oh yeah. yeah tom's dick or whatever one of my favorite things about this was the way that that was combined with uh the phrase any tom dick or harry yeah and then it was tom's dick or harry's yeah as their as their yeah that was really ex- cool. their, their expletive it was just like that was that's just so that clever too. to yeah. do that to have a I have actually a perversion didn't notice of a, that of a, that's great yeah, just great I love it <laughs> there's all these I, little right. fun jokes like that and um so the thing that I remember the most about the ending was the very last like couple of sentences so like after they find the vehicle and whatever the last mm-hmm. thing that happens is that they like scrounge some metal for weapons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's yeah, true. So this this was uh, gonna true. be this was gonna be my response, which is like on the <laughs> one hand, finding vehicle is like like it, you could interpret that as like, oh, they found vehicle, like no one is ever gonna come for them. They are on Eden alone forever. And so John is right it like fully exonerates John and like his decision making Mm. and all of his decisions were from the right place and he was right to do them. However, the final sentence is him being like, let's make sure to grab some weapons out of this shit. Right. And like, like, again, it's this thing of like, 
even if it does exonerate John's like reasoning, he is still making his own decisions based on this. Right. And those decisions I think are worthy of being judged for like being right or wrong. Um, you know, is that even progress? Is it, is it progress to have better technology in one small little segment of humanity? And the the whole book talks about that a lot where it's like, no, we can't split up because if we split up, we'll start killing each other. Mm -hmm. And if, if we're killing each other, then, you know, and it's just this long road of this is probably not a good thing, but is it, is it a necessity? Does it have to happen? Mm -hmm. It's, it's very gray. Yeah. It's really interesting to look at in the context of not the other Eden books, but actually of Chris's second most recent book, um, America city, uh, which was just published over here in the U S like a uh, six months ago or something like that. And, um, that book is a book about, you know, like kind of like a Trump like conservative, um, political figure winning the presidency and doing what he can not to prevent climate change from happening because climate change is here and there's nothing we can do about it, but to like save the American people from climate change. And like, it's a really interesting, it's like a different perspective on some ways of the story of like, you know, like a man deciding to blow everything up in the face of like, you know, an external world and external set of resources that are like, bad right like you know in the one case it's like you know the resources in in circle valley are running out in the other case it's like climate change is here we can't stop it it's too late for that how do we respond to it and it's interesting that like this is you know i don't know if he would see this as a theme that he's come back to multiple times but to, to me having read both books it feels very much like this theme of you know like you know what do you do when put in like a bad situation like that how do you respond to it and like both responses are a way of like well, you have to like leave the place that isn't habitable anymore, even if that hurts a bunch of people's feelings. Um, and it, you know, it makes me, I am actually really curious, like how, you know, I've never talked to him about it, how Chris himself thinks about that stuff. I think it's like worth kind of like talking to him about at some point, but like there does feel to be this thing of like, you know, like John identifies all the right problems it's unclear if he always responds to them with the correct solutions, but at least he has any solutions, right? Like, I think, I think that is maybe one of the things the book is saying, whether Chris is saying it or not, like the book seems to have this like point of view that like, you know, he's probably wrong sometimes, but at least he's offering positive solutions and like Mm -hmm. doing the political work Mm -hmm. needed to do anything about it. Because like, you know, it's a sort of like a don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good type thing of like, you know, if you don't do anything, everyone dies. And like, we can all agree everyone dying is worse than like some people die. Or maybe we can't agree, but like that feels like a fairly natural thing to agree to for me, at least. Uh, you know, could he have done better? Like, yeah, he could have. Were there better options available to him that he didn't take due to his own circumstances and biases like yes definitely um yeah i don't i don't know it's it's hard. i don't know if i come down with like a firm like positive statement here so much as like there's this interesting tension uh between mm-hmm. the like seeing the right problems and being taken like like some people can't even see the problem right like 
like Caroline seems to not even really be able to see the problem because all she sees is the solution that she has always maintained the status quo. She's always maintained this like solution to a different problem. So she can't see the new problems. Um, Whereas like Bella can see the new problems and maybe even in some ways has like a better way of dealing with them, but does her own fucked up shit and like loses her leader, like validly loses her leadership position because she does other bad things and like, isn't a very good mm-hmm. leader in those ways. Um, yeah, I don't, I actually forget where the, like where this started, but that, this is the sort of like, you know, I think some of the tension inherent in the book is these things. And like, it seems to be a little bit of a common theme across some of the, his other books as well, or at least one of his other books. Mm-hmm. Another thing about the end of the book is, um, you know, it obviously, like the first time I read it, it has a lot to do with John and his decision making. There's, a, there's a, you know, a lot of implications for like how people are going to think about John that result from like finding the vehicle. But reading it again, it's almost like this weird interlude because of how at the end they go back to making weapons it's like if they hadn't found it it's not clear how different things would have been totally maybe john wouldn't have had as great of an opportunity to kind of assert himself with a speech but Mm. it's sort of almost incidental or it's like this interesting interlude um, mm-hmm. in this larger story of them you know because in his speech he says something about it being our story now like it's like he like takes ownership somehow of the of the story of the landing vehicle and the sort of founding myths that they all know that they yeah. all know he like weaves it yeah. into their own myth in this way um but he he kind of was already doing that this is just like a great opportunity for him totally so it's well, it's, and like it's, we know that, like you know, David's group is eventually going to find it, and like they're going to weave it into their own founding myths in like a right. different way too. Right. You know, it's like to John, it fully exonerates every bad decision and choice he's ever made, and to someone else, it you know, like you can interpret it whatever way you want to, to you know, totally like damn John in every decision that he's made, <laughs> like however you want to do it. I love to me it also like. It's not exactly the end, but it's like it makes me think about the relationship between John, Jeff and Tina. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, in some way, I think of Jeff and Tina as being the people who see John's limitations the most clearly and who like appreciate him for what he is, perhaps, but also like understand what he isn't better than anybody else. Um, Right. Even better than David. Well, pa- I mean, right. Know. And partially because they also understand what he right. is, right? Like someone right. like David or Mehmet who like leaves him like only see his limitations. And so like yeah. don't actually have a clear picture of him. Right. And so their relationship has kind of reached its, it's a, a more steady state at the end of the book. And so part of the end for me is them understanding each other in a, in a, in a more complete way than they had. Like they had been sort of like learning or like they'd also been growing up and changing themselves. And Jeff, yeah. Jeff especially has this big transformation, um, growing his beard mm-hmm. and becoming super hot after spring, break, like <laughs> summer vacation ends. Yeah. He's, like, super, he's like so hot. Um, <laughs> and everyone wants a piece of that. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, by the end they, they achieve this more steady relationship where they, they're kind of all annoyed with each other, but also really close in the way yeah. that, siblings can be almost 
Well, they've, they've kind of learned how to work with each other and, and work to their own strengths and to use each other to, to achieve whatever the, the, the goal is that they're trying to get to individually or as yeah. a group, but they, they don't all, completely they all agree place in their little society now. No, they absolutely yeah. don't. Yeah. But, but they know how to, to work together a little bit more somewhat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, the the uh, the underground. What is going on with the underground? So I, cool. I know that you probably can't say much anything about this at all, but that one one scene where there's some kind of giant snake or tube creature yeah, of some sort, tube slinkers rolling around under. Yeah, it was just. I I'm I'm really interested in that. Not not the not the the tube slinker that like goes up the tree, but when they're looking down. Oh under, right, and there's the like. Big, and and he's like, yeah. oh, we could go down there. We could we could, we could exist down, down down here. I could just like jump off here, like that right. thing jumped off here, you know. And then they see some large, right, creature yeah, below. Yeah, I um, book two. That's very intriguing to me. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's why I'm like, I know I know neither one of you can say anything about this, but that was a that was a question that right. I would love to be addressed in some form in, in a, in a sequel. Yeah. yeah. I will well, say that yeah. sequels obviously get into the like working of Eden a little bit more, but also like, it's never like, Excellent. it's always yeah. mysterious, right? It's always mm-hmm. this like mysterious other planet that like you don't fully understand. Um, so if you read the sequels with the hope of like, Oh, Eden will be fully explained to me and I'll know exactly how the geology works and like what animals live where. And it's like, well, no, you won't get that much. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. well that's good. I mean, it's, it's definitely possible to over explain mm-hmm. something to death. Yeah. Right. It's like, what's fun about it is the mystery. So if you explain it all, right. you don't have what's fun about it anymore. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. How do we feel? Cool. I'm feeling good. I I'm surprised that I am feeling good from a conversation. Like I, I was worried coming into it that I'd be like, Oh, I'll never be able to do this book justice. And it's like, well, okay. On the one hand, I probably am not on the other hand, like I've said my piece. Well, Like whatever, dude. I mean, you know, it's not, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're just doing our thing, having fun. Right. Well, know? that's what I'm yeah, saying. Exactly. Is that's how it's I feel now. Like yeah. I, I feel actually very pleased with the whole thing. <laughs> Hopefully it wasn't, you know, too self-indulgent of a pick, but you know, we get, we got to do stuff for us sometimes too. <laughs> I enjoyed um, it. I honestly, I, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't think of this book, I think in the same way that you do. I mean, right, I, right. I like it a lot, but it's not like my favorite book, you know? Right. So we should let you pick a really self-indulgent pick sometime. No, that's after not August. what I was, no, that's <laughs> not what, I know no, that's dude. not what you're saying, but I want to, like, I'm saying I want you to. <laughs> I want to get the I, Matt I would personal book in here. I've never read before. But anyway, we can Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, well, we'll That's find why it. I had so much fun with this. So, yeah. right. Yeah, just right. Just being along for it. It was really, really, really fun. So, yeah, yeah man. And thanks for doing, you know, you. this is like we haven't had That's a awesome. guest on before to read a book they'd never read before. So, like, you know, thanks for A, agreeing to do that and, like, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. B, like, handling, handling us through it well. I'm, like, really glad we did it this way. I think it worked out really nicely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was really nice having you, dude. It was really like, it's a really cool perspective. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and it feels like very comfortable too, <laughs> which is, which is nice. Yeah, it was you easy. know, it's like, yeah, a, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It slots right in with all of this. So, you know, thank, thank you for being on, um, Herodis.com. Yeah. I said it right that time. 
<laughs> well, it may be it may be right, it may be wrong. I think I, I've recently discovered that it's actually a Portuguese word. Oh, really? And I've probably been saying it wrong this entire time. <laughs> I thought I made it up. Uh, oh, so you I like made not. up so, a word that is actually another word, really? Yes, it's it's uh, the plural form of hero. So it's heroes in Portuguese, which I had no oh, idea. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. That's a cool. I word, uh, I always assumed it was like Greek for something. <laughs> Um, it, it, it may be close to a Greek word also. Who right. Knows? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, folks should go check that out. Um, I don't know. Are you going to post a review for Dark Eden on it? Yeah. Yeah, I probably will. Most likely. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Definitely send that to me when you do and we'll you okay. know, post it on sure show thing. notes and tweet it. Yeah. Tweet it from Spectology Pod on Twitter. Um, <laughs> email it from SpectologyPod at gmail.com. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. And if, you know, folks want to chat with us about any of this stuff, that's where to find us mostly. Um, what else? Uh, music by WJ. You can find him on SoundCloud. Art by Noah Bradley, noahbradley.com. Um, yeah. Any other kind of like closing things I'm forgetting or that we should, we should mention before we head out, Kevin, anything of yours that you want to plug that we haven't so far? Let's see, not specifically, just Herodos.com, and you can find me most places at Kevin W. Kelsey. Great. Cool, cool. And, and I'll um, just say, whom, 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 yep. <laughs> All right. Peace, everyone. Peace out, guys. See ya.